Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Float now, there. Right? Well, you got to be crazy to take drugs. That's what it comes Recorded. down to. Live. Well, hey, I'm not done. The researchers at the University of Minnesota, they state that they uncovered some evidence that the drug companies delay reports of adverse events caused by their drugs on purpose. They have installed, quote, mechanisms to cause the delay or to conceal the adverse event. So we should also take note that, you know, adverse drug reactions that are not expected because the reaction is not on the list from the drug manufacturer for the doctors to consider. So unexpected reactions are not reported at all. So drug companies get around the current laws by spending more time verifying reports of the adverse events, and in particular on patient deaths, which delay the reports. So uh, current federal law has adverse drug reports going, including death by drug, not going to the FDA, but they go to the drug manufacturer instead. There's something wrong with that. Absolutely. Right. Now, They're um, policing themselves, which is just an invitation for corruption. Well, yeah, and so here's what um, here's one of the doctors in that University of Minnesota study says. It's uh, Dr. Pinar Madik, who's at the University of Minnesota School of Public Health in Minneapolis. She says, our analysis proved evidence that drug manufacturers delay reporting of serious adverse events to the FDA, strikingly adverse events with patient death were more likely to be delayed, end of quote. So it appear 8% of the prescription drug therapy is being shown to be clinically effective. The research shows positive outcomes with regard to controlling or diminishing symptoms. However, the empirical history of drug use shows a different outcome. There is this trade-off of side effects, which medicine does not consider to be a negative outcome. And I suspect if researchers were to consider the side effects, the underreported rate of adverse events, including death, um, and what happens when the drug is discontinued, the symptoms of disease return, most drugs would produce a negative outcome, and that effective rate would plummet because uh, last time I checked, controlling symptoms make patients hostages to their disease, and that's not a cure. Yeah. They don't want a cure. This is their, their business model. As they recognize there's no money to be made curing people. What they want is to suppress symptoms. As long as the disease remains, they can sell more pills to suppress the symptoms. And, right. and I think people need to wrap their brain around that. It's not really health care then. No, no. It's not. It's, oh. an, it's, it's, it's a kind of oppression. Right? And it's an absolute betrayal of trust. Doctors have to know this. You and I can talk about this a little bit. But doctors have to know this, and nevertheless, they continue to, to prescribe prescriptions that they understand are going to cause people probably more trouble than they are worth. Right. I just, got a, call from, I, I just got a call from a dentist today uh, wanting herbs, uh, not for his practice, but for himself and his family personally, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get these calls a lot 
from people, you know, health professionals. And so yeah. um, and it's just it's just like a lawyer who knows that they're they're selling you up the river, but, you know, they're not going to do anything about it because they have a family to feed. You know? Yep, that's exactly right. So you know, one of the I just problems think people, that the, I, mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, I just I just think our health is our individual responsibility and we should yeah. do everything we can um yeah. to protect it. Um so and there's there's powerful herbs out there because if herbs weren't powerful, modern medicine wouldn't have tapped into them to make their drugs in the first place. So but they people don't need tap to learn into as much them too much can. anymore, do they? Do they rely on well, do they mm-hmm. do the modern medicine rely on herbs to a significant degree today, or was that more more true in the past? And the reason I ask well, is because the the herbs can't be patented, um, not as much money right. in them. Well, yeah, what the, they would used to do is they would they would take natural sources from herbs. They would take the alkaloids they want for a specific action, and then they would isolate it so they could patent it, like you said. Uh, but the, but to answer your question, only. Two percent of the drugs now have any natural uh, uh, elements mm-hmm. of it at all. Most of them have been, uh, you know, synthetic copycats. They they make more money making a synthetic copy of it. So sure. they're not really harvesting the elements from the natural sources anymore. They're you know they used to, and once they were able to make what they considered an uh, acceptable copy, uh, that's what they use now. It's all petrochemical synthetics. Yep. Plus, lots of side effects, which are not considered to be adverse reactions. And if the side right. effect includes getting pain, then one of the one of the side effects of taking a pill that causes you pain is also take some pills that are pain relievers. Right. Uh, the so symptoms it's a, it's a that you try effect. to cure yeah. with pills. Yeah, exactly. It is it's definitely well, snowball. So people can empower themselves, though, Al, Melody, by using herbs in. The, uh, the right way, if they're interested in learning how, we have tools and information so they can feel empowered and, and do it right. And they can call for a free product catalog. That number is 866-229-3663, 866-229-3663, or visit the website, thepowerherbs.com. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, Wendy. We'll see you next week. That's Wendy Wilson from thepowerherbs.com. At, and their phone number is 866-229-3663. And the lesson of today's program, to a significant degree, is that your trust in doctors is being betrayed when the doctors prescribe drugs that they know have a high probability of, of not working or even making the situation worse. What's the lesson? If you can't trust the doctor, who can you trust? You're going to have to trust yourself. You're going to have to make up your own decisions and take responsibility for your own health care as much as possible. Some things you got to see doctors about, but there are some things you can handle yourself, and you need to start doing that. Again, Wendy Wilson, thepowerherbs.com, 866-229-3663. Melody and I will be back on Financial Survival in just a moment. Please stay tuned.
Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Folks, I'm Alfred Adisk, and this is Financial Survival. I'm here with co-host Melody Cedarstrom. Program is brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188 for all your gold and silver coin needs. What's next, Melody? I just want to let the listeners know we do have Silver Eagles, one-ounce Silver Eagles available. Now, if you buy boxes of 500, there's still a little bit of a delay. You know, we're into, uh, you know, we're ending the first week of October. You're looking at November, middle of November, uh, sometime around there for delivery on boxes of 500. Uh, but they are, you know, we do have them. We can lock in the price for you. Um, and the premium is not as steep on Friday and thir- both Thursday and Friday. We talked about the Silver Eagles that were. Uh, available five boxes, and the wholesale premium was four seventy five. Our premium for uh, one ounce Silver Eagles is only three seventy five. So we're a 
a whole dollar less than that. But uh, give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's four boxes of 500. Uh, the price is a little bit higher if you're just buying a tube of them. Um, we also have a special today. We have an AU $5 Liberty Gold Piece. We have 20 one-ounce Silver Eagles. This is going to include all your shipping costs for $795. So this is limited because of the Silver Eagles. Uh, so it's a very good price and, of course, a very good package, $795. An AU $5 Liberty Gold Piece, almost a quarter an ounce of gold, and 20 one-ounce American Silver Eagles. These are the 2015s, $795. Give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. Visit our website, dgscoins.com. Make sure you sign up for the weekly newsletter. And, of course, you can listen to these programs archived on a daily and monthly basis. So we were just during the break, we were talking about, I guess, the U.S. is uh, becoming a little like China with ghost cities. There is going to be a brand new $1 billion ghost city in New Mexico. It's going to be big enough for about 35,000 people, but no one will ever live there. Uh, This is being built by Pegasus Global Holdings. Uh, It's a full-scale model of an American town in the New Mexico desert. And we were talking about how strange this is. They're looking to test products. They don't want to disrupt daily lives. Um, And there is no intention of letting anyone live there. The one billion creating the 15-square-mile town. And uh, they're going to have fake malls, fake, uh, you know, gas stations, all kinds of things that will be like a regular little ghost city. But what is also interesting is Pegasus is also a U.S. government-authorized prime vendor and manufacturer of defense equipment and technologies. So So what does it sound like? (laughs) It sounds like a Uh place to test products that are going to be used in urban warfare. Yeah. And maybe not necessarily urban warfare in the cities of the Middle East, maybe urban warfare in the cities of the United States. You know, if you're going to set up a facility that has no people in it to test products, how do you test products that are supposedly going to be sold to the public if the public isn't part of this 35,000 population, the city that could house 35,000, but it doesn't house anyone? If you're going to test a product, it has to be tested on the people. I mean, this makes no sense, and when it doesn't make any sense, that that just triggers, you know, your suspicions that they're up to something. Whatever there's going on here, they're not testing toilet paper, right, to see which one is smoothest and most absorbent because there aren't any people there. We're not testing bounty towels. What products can we test where people aren't there? They're up to something, and I mm-hmm. and what are they? A billion dollars? A billion dollars for thirty-five thousand people, and it was stated that uh, you know that just as you mentioned, the testing without the people is going to yield misleading results. That's a lot of money to get misleading results. So, well, it sounds like a perfect solution yep. for the housing industry. <laughs> um, I mean, we're going to start building cities for people who aren't. We're, there aren't going to be any people there. 
They'll just build the cities like they do in China, and that'll stimulate the economy. Mm-hmm, perhaps, and uh, also we can put all the immigrants in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, or maybe we could put mm-hmm. dissidents in there too. Mm-hmm. We could call it a ghost city when it's really a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Hard to say what's going on there, but this is very. This is just strange. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was. So we'll see if there's any more of these cities that pop up here in the U.S. And uh, I mean, there's been reports for years <laughs> called Detroit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really. Although China is buying up Detroit left and right, you know, they're going in there. But, uh, um, you know, there's been reports for years and years and years about, you know, concentration camps and all kinds of things. Um, This one is uh, a little more in the media, mainstream media, which uh, gives you pause to... It says uh, Arsenio Hall used to have that segment on his program where he says, Hmm. They would present some <laughs> something strange on the program. It makes you go, hmm. Well, we got yeah. a lot of that. The yeah. whole makes you go, hmm, <laughs> these days. It's hard to get into any news where you're not, you know, a little bit perplexing. We also got some other news. U.S. consumer borrowing advanced at a solid pace in August. Americans took out more auto and student loans. Which makes sense as you have school beginning to pop back up uh, in August. Federal Reserve says consumer borrowing rose by $16 billion in August, pushing the total to a fresh record of $3.47 trillion. Uh, it was slightly in a below. Month. In a month. Pushing the $3.7 trillion borrowing in a month, in a year? No, it, it, it rose by $16 billion in August, yeah. pushing the total. For the year. To a, a 3.47 trade. The uh-huh. August advance was uh, slightly below the July gain. And in June, the credit had soared by $27 billion, and that was the largest increase since November. So they're spinning in as a, a pretty positive, but yet if, if June's credit has soared by $27 billion and uh, August was 16 it's a pretty big drop. Um, borrowing for car and student loans rose $12 billion in August, and uh, borrowing in the category that covers credit cards rose by $4 billion. It may be that people are just beginning to borrow. They're starting to borrow just to beat the anticipated increase in interest rates. Hard to say what's going on there for a fact. Here's an article from Business Insider that kind of bears on this. It says people weren't supposed to be saving this much money. And now it's a problem. There's the headline. So let's start with a basic premise. Consumers are not economists. This means that normal people who have a job and then decide what to do with their hard-earned money often make decisions that economists don't expect. The latest example is when, how much, uh, and why people save money. In short, too much savings means not enough spending, means a lack of aggregate demand in the economy. That's that's the way the theory operates. Secular stagnation is another term that might apply. And the point behind this, they want you. Here in the consumer economy, you must get out and consume, which means you got to spend some money. Don't you be saving your money. You go spend that money. And if you don't have any money to spend, borrow some. And that's one of the things they're encouraging with student loans and auto loans at low interest rates. They're encouraging you to borrow money, get out there and spend something to stimulate the economy. In a note to clients last week, Deutsche Bank's Binky Chata 
<clears throat> looked at the relationship between interest rates and savings rates, finding that, of course, consumers aren't acting exactly the way the economists at the Federal Reserve might respect. Namely, people are saving money despite low interest rates when economists expected or hoped these folks would spend that money to buy stuff and put it in assets that actually earn some return. <clears throat> this is interesting because the Federal Reserve is running this economy, the Federal Reserve and the rest of the central planners in Washington, D.C. They are running this economy based on the premise that they can make us move just like Pavlov's made his dog salivate by shining a light. He learned how to make the dog start to salivate by simply throwing a light switch. All right? That was exciting and shocking news back 70 years ago or whenever Pavlov did those experiments. But the people of this country are behaving like something other than lab rats. They have decided to start saving their own money, and they're ignoring the stimulus... They're ignoring the stimulus that uh, the Federal Reserve is trying to create. Now, that's important because this whole economy depends on having people act in predictable ways and go out and spend more when the, when the Federal Reserve and the central planners decide they need to spend more. We, they create incentives, and you do. The people go out and spend more. And when they need us to spend less, we they create other disincentives and we spend, spend less. And here the public is saying, we aren't going to pay attention to your stimulus and your little, uh, you know, your little programs to make us jump. We're going to do what we think is best for us. And what they're doing right now is saving rather than spending. Well, uh, you know, there was a time in this country where savings were regarded as something good and desirable. But that was when this country was a producing nation. We had the strongest industry in the world. And what would happen is if you saved your money in the bank, well, the bank would ultimately take your money from you and from Melody and from me, and they'd accumulate that and lend it to some corporation that would go out and build a bigger, better factory so we could be more productive. Savings is the basis of the capital that you need for capitalism to generate a more prosperous economy. But we're no longer a productive nation. We have become a consumer nation, which by definition we consume more than we produce. And under those circumstances, they need consumption, consumption, consumption. Go out and spend something, spend something. Better yet, borrow something so you can spend something. And that's what allegedly stimulates the economy, but it can't continue to function. Savings in the consumer economy is antisocial. Savings in the producer economy is a positive you know, benefit and blessing for the people. So here we are, different times. And by definition, if you're a consumer, you consume more than you produce. And in so far as that's true, there's nothing left for you to save. If I make a hundred dollars and I spend a hundred and ten, where where do I find any savings? If they're depending on me to be a consumer, they have to be as negative as possible. They have to discourage me from saving. And one of the ways they would do that would be to put up a low interest rate. Pay you so little money on your savings that who would want who would what rational person would want to do it? 
But what's happening is the American people, nevertheless, are looking at circumstances. They're saying, I need to save because there's trouble headed our way. I don't need to go out there and spend it all right now. The only thing I'd say about the people who are savings, uh, insofar as they are saving in banks, they're not making much money. They're not making any interest worth mentioning. They are putting their wealth at risk because in the, once it's in the bank, it's in digital form. It's easily seized by government and or the banks. From my perspective, if you want to save, if you really want to save, and if you are motivated to save by the belief that we're headed for difficult times, then the most sensible way to save your money is in a, the form of something tangible. All right? You take that currency and you invest it. You buy something tangible. Could be land, could be a factory, could be a bunch of things, but it could be gold and silver. In terms of savings, I think it's the smartest thing you can do is save your, save your wealth, take those green pieces of paper and convert them into gold and silver. If you really think there's going to be trouble, what makes you think that the paper is going to survive the trouble, the paper debt instruments, the paper dollars, whatever. There'll be ups and there'll be downs. I mean, dollar will get more valuable, it'll be less valuable. But long, long term, and I don't mean 50 years from now, long term, three years, five years, you're going to see that paper just vaporize. And those of you who are hanging on to, if you're saving, saving gold, saving silver, high probability that the value of those products, precisely because they've been suppressed for 15 years or more, prices have been suppressed. Prices will inevitably break free, and when they do, those of you who have invested your savings in the gold the silver, you're not only protected from government seizures, from bank seizures, uh, you have a high probability of seeing your wealth increase dramatically. So. You, you hear more and more people that are higher up, part of the inside group, insider group, that come out and warn that about the debt. Um, it can't be repaid. We're heading into an area that has, we've never experienced before. We're going into uncharted waters. And uh, it's... Do you know why it's uncharted? It's like the water I'm sitting on top of a reef. They don't chart that either because if you get there to chart it, you sink. Um, it's kind of a metaphor, but that's that's the point. It's uncharted because nobody previously been dumb enough to go there. You know, so we don't have a chart. Of course, you don't have a chart. And not only is it the United States, but it's virtually every country mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. Where we're talking about trillions of dollars in debt that that they can't and won't be able to pay. Counting all trillions, it, maybe quadrillions. Yes. I mean, the, 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 the numbers, the magnitude, it's difficult to, you know, put a grasp on it for most people. And we also have to grasp that we're going into a break here, Al. We do? Yeah. Grasp right. it. Well, let's do it. Grasp it. <laughs> I will grasp it. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, and we'll be right back. Please stay tuned.
past financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. We're back. What's next, Melody? Well, you know, the, with the people saving in that report, I'm not sure where they were talking about where the savings were is actually showing up. Was it actually just in the uh, um, the amount of credit has been declining for several months? It would look like people are saving or they just don't have the money. And, um, you know, we talk about the, 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 the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Trade Agreement, being uh, pretty much a done deal. Uh, it still has to go through, you know, the, the houses and the Congress, and uh, but it's either a yay or a nay. They can't change it. We all know it's all going to get passed. Um, there was a statement out today that the Export-Import Bank, uh, it lost the charter. They uh, It expired June 30th, um, and it was just put kind of put to the side. I think with the new trade agreement, this has been revived, and there is a, a team, uh, a coalition that is teaming up to bypass opposition from the Tea Party, top GOP leaders uh, to get this done. In a rarely used congressional maneuver, supporters are gathering signatures on a so-called discharge petition that would allow them to force a House vote on this legislation. And again, we were talking during the break, and I do believe it's because of the TPP. You have all those uh, third world Asian countries that are uh, going to be included in this agreement. And now they can borrow money so they can buy equipment and whatever is needed to build manufacturing plants. Yeah, they're borrowing money from the 
from the trade. They're agency. borrowing it from. They're borrowing it from the Export Import Bank. Yeah. Right, That's they're borrowing what it's there it for. to buy American products. To buy American products. So the Import Export Bank is subsidizing the sale Correct. of American products. Correct. They're taxing the American people to subsidize the sale of American products from American corporations. In the end, they're guaranteeing that the corporations stay in business and the taxpayers pay higher taxes. Is that good for America? And if those businesses fail, that and, and really the reason they use this export-import bank is because they can't get loans with the regular bank in the regular banking industry. They're, they're a high risk. So the government picks it up. So if they fail, guess who pays the tab on that? The U.S. Same taxpayer. people that are going to pay for yep. the exactly. uh, derivatives if the derivatives yep. collapse. Again, government at its infinite wisdom has declared that at least the derivatives owned by J.P. Morgan and perhaps all American derivatives, I don't know how far the law goes, but there are allegedly, according to one source, $220 trillion dollars in derivatives in the United States alone. And some or all of those derivatives are now guaranteed by the American taxpayer. Mm -hmm. All right? And on the face of it, it's insane, it's criminal, it's an abomination. Whatever money is made off the derivatives, that's going to go to the rich people on Wall Street. But if they lose money, then the bill goes to the people who are taxpayers in this country, thanks to your Congress. On the face of it, it's an abomination. But one side of it is this. $220 trillion is about 12 times the size of the official national debt. Official national debt is about $18 trillion right now. $220 trillion is about 12 times that much. All right? What it implies is that the government, in its infinite wisdom, Congress, they passed a law, said we will increase the real size of the national debt, the exposure to the taxpayers, and how much they have to pay. We'll increase it by a factor of 12 huh, in order to accommodate the super rich on Wall Street or wherever, people who own these derivatives. The truth is we're never going to pay that debt. Congress might just as well pay a, pass the law that guaranteed that the American people would pay a billion dollars a year per person to every poor person on the face of the globe. It ain't going to happen. It's not mathematically possible. I look at it and I think to myself, I wonder if the real purpose for guaranteeing that the taxpayer would pick up the losses on these derivatives for at least J.P. Morgan Chase and probably all of them, the real reason is to assure the rich people that are holding on to these derivatives that they're not worthless, dangerously worthless pieces of paper that are doomed to expire in insolvency. They can't be paid. Nobody can pay them. Who can come up with $220 trillion? Nobody. Nobody's going to come up with that. All right? So it may be. You know, you sit here and your first impression is, oh, my gosh, the government is, is messing over with the taxpayers. They are taking advantage of the poor, ignorant taxpayer. Well, yeah, they are, no doubt. But they may be also taking advantage of the rich, ignorant derivatives holders by saying, you don't have to worry. Don't sell all your derivatives. Don't start a panic because they're all guaranteed by the government and the taxpayers. 
Yeah, but a lot of these banks, central, you know, these banks like Bank of America, they've transferred their uh, big portions of the derivatives into different banking sector, and I don't mm. have all the information. So it is the taxpayer and mm. not the wealthy people. The wealthy people always protect themselves. From- yeah, but in this case, can they? I mean, if I'm going to, I'm, hey, I'm saying, if I have fifty matter, billion, you can assign the whole debt to me. Hey, Why don't you pass the law and says Al will pay two hundred twenty trillion dollars? It's stupid. I don't have it. Can't get it. Won't pay it. The public, the taxpayer, isn't going to pay two hundred twenty trillion dollars. Those people that are holding on to those derivatives are sooner or later they're going to lose their assets. That's what's going to happen because the, it's too big a debt to be paid. It's become irrationally large. It's no longer possible. So, oh, yeah, we'll pay the It's like the wizard and the wizard of Oz, you know? They're going to say plurbus unum and ipso facto, and everybody's going to be impressed. But the truth is no one can pay that debt. If the debt comes due on the derivatives, if things go badly and the derivatives generate debt, I don't know how the debt works out. There's $220 trillion in derivatives. That doesn't necessarily translate into $220 trillion and debt, but it's a bunch of debt, all right? It's going to be, I'm going to guess, tens of trillions of dollars. Who's going to pay it? I don't care who you sign it to. Sign it to me. See if I care. I'll never pay it. And if anybody is holding a derivative, said, well, if things go badly, we'll get Al to pay the derivatives. I'm going to look at them and just grin. You'd be dumb if you think I'm coming up with $220 trillion. You're stupid. And if you think the American taxpayer is coming up with $220 trillion, that's also stupid. It ain't happening. Well, so I think come. maybe the reason for the, for the law was simply to prevent the people holding derivatives from going into a panic mode and trying to sell them off at a fraction of the value of the, and watching the derivatives market collapse. I don't know that that's true, but the speculation crosses my mind. The taxpayer will be. They're not going to generate yeah, it. No, let me think. They won't generate it out of taxes. They'll generate it out of their pension funds, all the money that they're holding in the. That's the money that will disappear. That's how won't. the people will be affected, regardless of how much money that you have. It Unless, may be they'll be wiped out, but they, they won't They will be. be. But, the, but the people holding the derivatives will not be saved. Because the taxpayer is going to go broke long before they ever get to $220 trillion for, to support the derivatives people. All right? If you're holding derivatives, you be dumb. Understand? Some people are holding gold. Some people are holding derivatives. Who? Let's do a test to see who has the higher IQ. All right? For the moment, people holding derivatives think they're pretty smart. They're rich. They think they're smart. I think they're stupid. I think if you're hanging on to those derivatives, you're crazy. Huh? And the government says, oh, don't worry. We'll get the taxpayer to pay if things go badly. Well, I don't think they can. I don't think there's Not anymore. Money. Not no. anymore. No. I mean, so, they, they took care of them in 2008. You know, they, they took care of AIG. They took care of all these other uh, – they took care of the banks, you know, and protected them. You know, so they didn't lose. Well, they don't have the money today to protect them again. I know. It's like the FDIC is guaranteeing all the money in your bank accounts. They've got something like a fifth of a cent for every hundred dollars that's out there in the uh, in the in the banking community. There's something like a fifth of a cent in the FDIC to guarantee against the bank insolvency, which is to say, 
They got nothing. They've got nothing. They are broke. Your bank account is not guaranteed. All right? Not against a widespread bank run. It may be that you're, you'd be okay if, if your bank all by itself becomes insolvent. Okay, we can protect your accounts in your bank. But if we get five significant banks going down at the same time, maybe not. And if we have a widespread bank run across the country, it can't be. There's nothing to be done about this except just watch the house of cards collapse. Get it on your cell phone. You know, hey, look at the house of cards falling down. Something you can show your kids uh, and your grandchildren one day. Uh, but we are in a problem that is so mathematically humongous. There's no way out of this thing other than to hope to God that we never, that it doesn't hit the fan. Uh, and somehow, some way, we just keep stepping forward. We'll just borrow more money. We'll go deeper into debt. Somehow, by going deeper into debt, we will pay off the existing debt. See, Melody? It, it makes perfect sense once you understand it. Or at least that's what government would have you believe. Mm -hmm. But it's insane. The whole system is irrational. And where does the irrationality begin? Fiat currency. Okay. When the government said we don't need to back the currency with gold, we don't need to back the currency with silver, both on the domestic level and the international level, they plunged, they, they pushed us off into a world of irrationality, a kind of madness, a kind of financial madness. And the government says we don't need to be responsible. We don't need to use gold and silver and be responsible. This way we can spend anything we want. Well, watch and see. We've accepted that. We were dumb enough, ignorant enough. We went along with the program. But the day is coming when the government's going to have to admit that it can't just spin the money out of thin air. And we're going to get it. We're going to understand it. And when we do, the whole thing is going right down the pipe. And it's going to be a terrible situation. It'll be something comparable to what happened to the former Soviet Union for a decade after the Soviet, after the Soviet Union collapsed. They went into a kind of chaos and widespread criminality and gangs. And good God, it was a terrible situation. But it was a function of central planning. It was a function of fiat currency. It was a function of people who think they're so smart they can run the whole government and the whole economy because they have a theory or they have an ideology or whatever. And they're all crazy. They're all nuts. You turn it loose to the free market and let her go. And it's, it's messy. It goes up sometimes dramatically and goes down sometimes dramatically, but as long as it's free, it can recover on its own. When the government steps in and said, we're going to control this now, we're going to prevent these collapses, we're going to ensure prosperity, <clears throat> they guaranteed that they would cause distortions in the economy that might not be apparent instantly. Might take 40, 50, 60 years before the consequences of some of this stupidity really breaks loose and we all pay a price for it. But you can't be stupid forever. Sooner or later, Mother Nature and Father Economics is going to teach us the error of our ways and people are going to say, you mean these green pieces of paper aren't really money? You mean there's something dangerous, irrational, and stupid about storing my wealth in a digital bank account? And they're going to figure that out. And when they do, 
there'll be a run for gold. We're going to be making a run not so long from now. What have we got, about two and a half minutes, Melody? Yes, we do. we got a great little package today, a $5 Liberty gold piece, along with 21-ounce Silver Eagles. Uh, they're 2015s, and the complete package is $795. So make sure you call us at 1-800-375-4188. It is a limited supply. So the late-night listeners, make sure you leave a message on the uh, machine. Uh, after hours, and I'll make sure we pull one aside for you, and we can finish up all the details uh, on Thursday. So uh, 1-800-375-4188. It really is the world of make-believe, Al. I know. It's like a Spielberg production. It's like being on the set for Star Wars or something. Look, here comes Jabba, Jabba the Hutt, and over there is Chewbacca and the rest. No, it's not. You know, we are not on that movie set. You are in real life, folks, and you have been deceived by everybody in government who persuaded you that these green pieces of paper are money. They've been fooling you. They're fibbing, and we're going to all live to regret that fib. We're about out of time, Melody. Okay. All right. I'm Alfred Adisk here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, may the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me.
sling a little mud in my four-wheel drive. Trick it on into town. Shoot a little eight ball down at the pool hall. Drink a beer with Drink my beer. friend. Now don't judge me and I won't judge you. Cause we all get judged in the end. Some people care about what other people think. Worry about what they say. They say little little gossip coming from a loose little run my perfect day. Saying blah blah blah, just a jack and their dog gotta let it roll up and not back. I don't give a darn what other people think. What do you think about that? Say I don't give a damn what other people think. What do you think about that? Good evening, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Wednesday, October 7th, 2015. It is about seven minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific time. If that all works out where you're at, we're live. And that means you can participate in the show, 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. That's toll-free. You can call in. You get on the air. You'll be on the radio. Big star, all that good stuff. You can also participate by simply going to our chat room, which is located on our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the chat link. It's a text link. It spells out chat. Only four letters. Really easy. Okay? Even public school graduates can get there. I know, because I are one. Anyway, you can contact me directly through Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. Okay, there you go. All right, it's Wednesday night. That means we got Melissa Roxanne on as co-host, so let's bring her on before I get rambling off. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. That wasn't much of a dramatic pause. No. How come you're not in the chat room? Hmm? Because yeah. I'm in the chat room. Oh, I see. Okay. What do you got? Let's see. I have so much. You're unprepared? Is that it? No. Um, Hillary said she's going to totally bypass Congress and I guess do an executive whatever. What do you call it? 
The what? You know, when they bypass everything and they do an executive order, she's that's what she seems to be saying if she gets to be president. I don't think that's going to happen. Though. What's she going to do? She's going to bypass Congress on gun control. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And the Constitution. Oh, yeah. See, because Congress ain't got nothing to do with gun control. Right. You know, this is a constitutional protection, right. and Congress has already usurped that their authority. Just the, the article. I know, and, and, and sh- it, Congress has mm-hmm. already... This is something people need to start getting a grip on. Okay, here. well, here's what she said in her little tweet. If Congress refuses to act... To end this epidemic of gun violence, I'll take administrative action to do so. That was on the 5th of October of this year. Well, you know, and then people pe- then people need to take administrative action against Hillary Clinton. If she's going to just be uh, a lawbreaker herself, well, i got to break the law to protect everybody. Well, then, you know what? Then the law won't protect her. You know, and then she can rely on all the sunglass little peons that are, are paid to protect her with all their guns and see what happens to her. Because you know what? Most of the Secret Service hates Hillary Clinton. They hate Michelle Obama, and they don't much like Barry either. Because you know why? They're jerks. They're all jerks. They treat the Secret Service like they're their maids or something. Come here, boy. Get that for me, boy. Would you do this, boy? That's how they treat the Secret Service. So you know what? I'm sure they love it, you know? Playing that race card all the time. Oh, sure. And and then just saying boy or whatever, you know, having a white person, you know, go fetch whatever for them. Yeah. And I'm sure sure that they love that. Oh, of course they do. They hate white people. But you know what? What's what what's Hillary Clinton? She's about as white bread as they come. What's her what's her excuse? Secret Service hates her she's too. She's just she, a psychopath. She treats everybody like crap. See, yeah, she doesn't care they what all color are, you. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think they're all psychopaths. You know, Obama the, the Obamas may be racist, but yeah. Hillary is Clintonist. If you're not a Clinton, screw you. That's her thing, man. If you're not her, she doesn't like yeah. you. You know, it's like okay, I'm not racist. I hate everybody that ain't me. Mm-hmm. I don't think she likes Bill. No, she doesn't. You know. He's like... Useful. He's just, yeah, he's her <laughs> lackey, you know. He's useful. And she's his lackey, I mean, you know. Well, Bill... I don't know, they use each other, you know, that's about it. Well, Bill ain't the victim in this, I can tell you that right now, because he's made like, what, six times... And she's made a lot of money, but he's made like six times the amount of money she has. Well, that's what's on paper. Well, you know, know, hey, what's, what's yours is not. mine, what's mine is yours, you know, whatever. But the thing is, you know, the problem... there's the, all that bribe money the thing we is, don't though, even know about. See, Hillary's, Hillary's been playing around, being senator, being secretary of state, all these little government jobs, right, where mm-hmm. she's not allowed to go out there and just make hundreds of billions of dollars, right? Because people will say, wait a minute. I don't know. That's all she illegal. She gets paid at, what, 400 grand for a speech? Well, like I said... She's, One speech. She's not poor. She's got like uh, I think uh, what twenty something million dollars, but he's got like a hundred something million dollars. Well, sure. You know that that's just very low. They have far more yeah, money than that. What everybody claims is far less than what they actually have. 
You know, nobody claims their full amount. Even even yeah, the middle but... class, even the middle class, <laughs> yeah, even the middle class guy. They may write a few deductions. Even the middle class padded, guy filling like out his te- filling out his ten forty form ain't putting down what he's really got. I think it's more like on deductions they may. We are a know. nation of liars when it comes to money because we have to be because we know the government's out there trying to rob us. So we got to lie about it. And everybody does. Everybody lies on their taxes. They Mm. lie on every financial disclosure report they've ever signed. Nobody ever tells the complete truth. So, you know, in that regard, the Clintons are not that nobody ever does. There are some people that definitely... You did, and what happened to you? Huh? (laughs) What happened to you? You did. You did, and what happened to you? Yeah, you got a bill. Yeah, a big bill. Yeah, a well, big to bill. me it was a big bill. Yeah, a bill. You see, if you would have fudged a little bit like everybody else does, you'd end up getting a refund. You know, that's how it works. Everybody knows it. That's how it works. So, you know, uh, this is how do you think about a place like Goldman Sachs? Look at the criminal activity these people are involved in. You were reading just some money they've been shelling out to congressmen to get what they want. Yeah. You know, these people are... To get the TPP passed. They are criminal. This is financial crimes they're committing every day. And nobody ever goes to jail. Every once in a while, somebody will have to pay a little fine. Right. And what I mean little, you might think, whoa, $60 billion. My God, that's a lot of money. No, it's not a lot of money when you made $2 trillion in profits. Right. Oh, I got to pay sixty billion dollars. That sure sounds like a lot, but they're leaving out the part that they they made two trillion dollars in in their criminal enterprise. Sixty billion dollars is the mm-hmm. cost of doing business. That's not even a fine. You know, that's Guido saying, "Hey, give me my cut." Yeah. Guido it, it used to be Uncle Sam, but now, of course, it's Uncle Guido. <laughs> That's what we should call Uncle Sam now, Uncle Guido. It's Uncle Guido. Well, for the whole Hillary deal, her campaign rolled out a robust set of proposals Monday, including using executive action, which we know means executive order, or orders, as president to expand. Wait a minute. Which we know doesn't mean that. What it means is... She's going to be a dictator. She's going to ignore her oath of office. And she's just going to break the law and do whatever the hell she can get away with. Yes. So, to expand background check requirements, under current federal law, such checks are not required for sales. Okay, this is lies, right? This is, they're saying that checks are not required, background checks for sales made at gun shows or over the Internet. That is a total lie. Yeah, it's not true. They're saying that right here. Gun sales over the internet, and at at uh, gun sh- sales, you know, gun shows. Unless they're talking about if I have a gun for sale on the internet, and you yeah, want Craigslist, that yeah. doesn't apply. But if you buy it, you know, over the internet from some you know gun dealer, right. Yes, it does apply. And some states, they even have laws. You know, where you do have to have a background check between private parties that are selling used guns. There right. are a few states. So. Well, and the thing is, the the if you're with any kind of gun, you know, legitimate gun dealer that mm-hmm. sells guns on the Internet, and there's a bunch of places. I bought uh, ammo from them, at least. I haven't ever bought a gun from uh, online. But 
you, you know, you buy it, and then they ship it to the federal firearms licensee that you designate. Yeah. Meaning some licensed gun store. When the gun arrives and you go to pay for it and pick it up, well, you already paid for it, but when you go to pick it up, yeah. you gotta you gotta pay. I think it's twenty bucks. Might be ten bucks. It's cheap, but it's it, you gotta pay for the background check. And they do an instant background check on you right then and there before you get the gun. That's so you know, they're they're and and gun shows. Okay, fine. If I walk in. If you break the law, but... If I walk in and, and I'm selling my gun to somebody, I, at this time, don't have to get... A, I don't, I don't no, do I don't a background think, check I don't on think you. that that's legal to go to a gun show as a private party and try to do that in the parking lot or something. Not in the parking but, lot, but to go to a gun show and be a vendor. Yeah, I don't know. But they're claiming all this stuff that they're claiming they're going to do, which there's already laws for these things. And then also she's saying that if somebody has a domestic violence conviction, that she'll make sure they're barred from getting a gun. That's already the law. Yep, it is. So, you know, it's just a bunch of garbage that she's pretending isn't the law, that she's going to make the law. And she's going to do an executive order to just bypass everything. Well, they keep pretending that, you know, these laws don't exist and, uh, you know, uh, that, oh, everything's easy. Well, you listen to uh, Condition Critical with Jay Shanahan. He did, a, he did a good job showing that, hey, what, the laws are, are too light? And he went through and described a Chuck Schumer, you know, gun runner. But Chuck Schumer has described as, you know, the evil, rotten, dirty, lousy people we got to stop, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, if you go through all the crimes they commit of the laws on the books right now, with the times that, hey, these are, you know, you're going to get, you know, like, these, you know, this is 5 to 20, this is 10 to 10, you know, whatever, 5 to 10 years, this is 5 to 20 years, this is, you know, whatever, you know. Figured it out, man, and uh, you're going to jail for 1,200 years. You know, with the existing laws. Okay, what's on the books right, right now? I you're going to spend 1,200 uh, 1200 yeah. years in jail? What, that that's that's too light? Yeah, <laughs> you know what? In Oregon, this just passed August 7th, a change to Oregon's gun laws, which went into effect, that require universal background checks for all gun sales, even private ones. Huh. Yeah, I just I just learned this. Um, it says the new law will require criminal and mental health checks for private gun transfers, just like the federal rules for sales by licensed dealers. And then we have that shooting in Oregon. I'm surprised they didn't, you know, wait and do that after the shooting, but they did it before. So with this change, Oregon will become the 12th state to require the private sales check for both handguns and rifles, but it didn't happen without a fight, so much so that some county sheriff's commissions have refused to enforce the law. That's right. State Senator Jenny Burdick said it is law enforcement's responsibility to enforce the new law. She said, this is crime prevention. That's what policing should be about. It should be about preventing a crime before it happens. Pre-crime. 
Mm-hmm. It's much less costly to prevent it than to move in after a crime has occurred, she said. Private gun sales are especially hard to track, but proponents told KGW they believe the new law will especially make a difference in targeting private Internet sales. Supporters of the new law also cited research which found states that require background checks on all handgun sales saw 48% fewer gun suicides, 48% fewer law enforcement officers killed with handguns, and 46% fewer women killed by their domestic partners. That's that's the, you know, calming news report there. From Salem, Oregon, of course. Yeah, well, look, I don't care, you know, about background checks or not. It's just like I don't care about marijuana being legal. And, by the way... Uh, speaking of marijuana, mm-hmm. Oregon's first week of recreational pot sales topped $11 million in a week. Uh, and has everyone went mad? I mean, isn't the... Aren't reefer we, madness. Uh, yeah, aren't we in the middle of reefer madness here in Oregon? Are there killings well, in the street? they're going to be taxing it at 25% come January 1st. Yeah, and, I know, uh, and they and they missed out Medford, on Medford, Oregon. They forbid anybody from purchasing marijuana legally until the taxes kick in. That's so they get right. that twenty five percent January first. That's right. But other cities around us have allowed it since October first, and they don't tax you at all till January. 1st. Till January, they call it a tax holiday. That's yeah. what they call it. And uh, yep, you know, I actually went to one of these stores. And it was it was it was so much fun for me. I mean, it was just a kick. I mean, it it, it it's so. I didn't have to go to Amsterdam or anything. Three and a half million were on October first of the sales out of the eleven million, or eleven plus million. Well, and they got no tax money out of it because you know what? They dragged their feet, mm-hmm. and they've been dicking around, and yeah. they can't get their stuff together it because they because they really don't want to do it. But, uh, well, yeah, right. once they start smelling money, they're yeah. going to want to do it, though. Just yeah. like Medford. Medford, Oregon, the, you know, the self-righteous city council there in Medford, mm-hmm. all about, well, marijuana, a bunch of redneck, oh, but, no, we're banning it. We're, we have a moratorium, no dispensaries within the city limits of Medford, Oregon. Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> until December which is a month before the taxing starts. Oh, so they are going to allow it in December. Well, they're figuring, you know, look, there's a moratorium. they got to get people over to Medford before the right. taxes kick in. There's a moratorium. they're not going to go there right. in And January. plus there's a moratorium. Yeah. Okay? And, and as long as there's a moratorium, I don't think you can even rent a building telling somebody... Uh, yeah, I'm going to use this as a as a marijuana dispensary. Yeah. I don't so think they're, that, they're opening up a month before, ahead of time, so they can be ready for money. when the tax gets going in January first. For that tax money, that's right. And that's the only reason they passed. Yeah, the self righteous bunch of hypocritical money grubbing pieces of garbage. Yeah, it's all bad and immoral until what? We're going to get three percent of eleven million bucks. Woohoo! Yeah. And probably not 11 million bucks in Medford. But Medford's going to make a pile of money. Because, like it or not, man, Medford is the center of Jackson County. Yeah. And that's where most of the people go they, and they most made of the people it live. illegal to hand money to homeless people, too. Yeah. In Medford. From your car. That's right. Well, you know what? I, if I ever see a cop and a homeless guy 
What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop my truck. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to get out of my truck, and I'm going to walk over to the homeless guy and hand him a dollar. And everybody waiting for me to do this can just kiss my behind and talk to the cop because, hey, that's the law, man. I'm not allowed to hand this guy a dollar bill out of my window of my car. Yeah. But if I'm not in my vehicle, I can give anybody anything I want to give them. So I'm just stopping my vehicle here for a minute and I'll give him a, uh, a dollar and then I'll get back in and I'll go. <laughs> I'm surprised how many people, you know. And I expect fully to be ticketed for that so I can go down to Medford yeah. and we can talk about it. Well, there's a lot of people that are out there doing that. They're, they're still out there with their sign in Medford in the parking lot at, like, Walmart and all those places. You know what I saw? I'm amazed. Well, yeah, but you know what I saw? Yeah. I saw that, too. I was down at the Medford Walmart in the parking lot, and there was a, a couple of... Uh, chicks out there and all you know like it looked like a mom and a daughter mm-hmm. and they had a sign and they were out there and i saw the walmart guy you know in his little uh, yellow jacket so nobody runs him down mm-hmm. or anybody wants to run him down can get a good good eye shot of him not run anybody else down it's the guy in the yellow anyway he's marching over there and they i watched this whole thing happen and they saw him coming and they packed, they grabbed their stuff and walked off. And then he kind of stopped and went back. So Walmart is now actively enforcing Medford ordinances. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. So now we have Medford, Medford dweebs that are out there collecting shopping carts, enforcing Medford ordinances. Yeah. Isn't that great? I'm sure they're highly qualified in the law to do so. Well, we went into Walmart one day not long ago, and they were stopping everybody at the door to look at their receipts, although they let us go. We both had our receipts in our hands, but... Oh, they looked at they my were, receipt. Did they? They, they didn't just look at my receipt. They didn't stop me. It was kind of a... But they, they did look at other people before us. Sure, it was a rolling stop. That's what... <laughs> although, I don't know, they had some kind of handgun, some... Two people ran in the men's bathroom, and this guy had a gun stuck in the back of his pants, and he had a concealed carry permit, and apparently they saw the gun or something, you know, the outline of it maybe, under a shirt or something, and they went in there, two guys, and asked him for the gun, he refused, and they, like, one of them, you know, knocked him down or something and took the gun, and then... The guy got out of the bathroom and went to the employee break room, and they called the cops. And so I don't know if they were doing – I don't know what that would have to do with them checking people's receipts. But Yeah, I don't know. That, I don't know how uh, – That happened in Medford. You know, I don't know how – what employees think that they can go in and say, give us the gun. No, it wasn't employees. Oh, really? No, these were two just guys that stole somebody's gun in the men's room. Two guys. Oh. They got him on the security camera. Well, why the hell didn't the guy shoot him? I know. Both of them. That's Kill him. I guess That's he why was kind of taken gun. by surprise, you know? In the bathroom? Taken by surprise oh, from behind. Jeez. Well, you see, now there's a perfect example of always being aware of your surroundings, folks. Mm-hmm. I'm not joking about this. Maybe I'm paranoid, okay? Maybe I am. I don't care. Thing is, when I'm in the bathroom, 
And you know, hey, you've got your back to people, right? Uh, hopefully, if when you're, you're in the ba- when you're in the bathroom. But you know what? Most bathrooms got shiny things all over that you can see reflections in. Some of them are shiny enough where you can actually use them like a mirror. Be aware of your surroundings and who's around you. Start playing in your head. Hey, what happens if somebody grabs me? What am I gonna do? And, oh, and if it didn't happen, oh, you wasted all that valuable time while you were urinating. Thinking about something that didn't happen. Big deal. What if it does happen and you're not thinking about it, huh? Yeah. Then guess who you are? You're that guy. You're the guy gets robbed in the bathroom yeah. for his gun because you're carrying a gun for self-protection. <laughs> you know. See, this is why. This is an example of why I do believe. And, and, you know, when I say this, I mean all the other crap goes in the trash. But I do believe that, look, there should be a constitutional carry, you know, federal law that says, hey, it's the Second Amendment. People are allowed to carry guns. They're allowed to carry them concealed. You're not going to abridge that. However, we do have a certification program, not a permit, not a license, but a certification. And I believe in that. I think it's a good thing. I think it's constitutional. I think it goes along with being well-regulated, meaning being well-armed and well-trained. That you go to a class and you not only learn about safety issues, you also take a proficiency test, meaning you got to shoot at a target and hit it at least 50% of the time. Mm. Because bottom line is, you want, oh, well, we're, we're, we're concerned about safety. Okay, well, guess what? Somebody who can't hit a target is unsafe with a gun. That's the bottom line. You can't hit the target with your gun. You are unsafe. You know, at least, okay, at least 50% of the time. I Yeah, you can miss a target now and again. It doesn't make you unsafe. But if you, can you never know, hit, if you can never hit the target, you're not safe. Yeah. I mean, we have driver licenses, and they test you. They even make you take a driving test sure. at, at times, you know, when you first get your license or if you've let your license expire, stuff like that. Maybe you're coming from another state and you let your license expire. Well, but, you know, there's no test for that, like you're saying. And I think it's a good idea. I think it's constitutional. I think the founding fathers would back me up on that because, you know what, whether you like it or not, you're part of the militia. Yeah. Every able-bodied man in this country is part of the militia, whether you want to be or not. And that goes for girls, too. You know? But unless, of course, you are in the military, then you are not in the militia. If you are, uh, you know, in, in some other thing, you're not in the militia either. But pretty much everybody else is in the militia, yeah. whether you like it or not. So for them to say, well, yeah, you, you know, of course you can walk around with a gun under your jacket. That's the Second Amendment. However, it is our duty that we know that you are well-regulated, meaning well-trained and well-armed. And the only way to do that is to say, well, okay, let's put you through a class. And I think most people would appreciate going to a class. I, I know some people out there that know guns real well would think it's a waste of time, and it, and it probably would be for them. But, hey, you're the minority for the most of people who have guns, think it's a good idea. Men and women, they don't know how to break that gun down and clean it. They don't know how to do that. You should have a course, show them, hey, look, here's how you do that. Because you know what? 
if your gun's all dirty and going to jam up, that's not a safe gun anymore either. And you should be able to. Now, Bo has said, you know, with the marksmanship program that, you know, you just got to go fire 50 rounds. Yeah. You don't have to hit anything. I think that's wrong. I think you should have to you should have to hit at least 50%. Because if you can't hit 50%, you got no you got no reason to be having a gun. Because what are you going to do with it? If you can't hit your target 50% of the time, what are you going to do with that gun? You're just going to start blasting away at what? Anything? Just into the air? Just down the street? What, you know? Maybe your friend's face, like Cheney. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You know, so I believe that, that that should be it. There should be a national constitutional carry, meaning everybody can, you know. And you know what? If you want to strap on a sidearm onto your hip and walk around like a cowboy or a cop, I think that's what you should have a license for and have to go through yeah. some more classes. Yeah, I've heard you say that. And, and the reason why is let everybody know that, hey, look, if you see somebody walking around with a gun strapped to their side, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing. No need to be afraid of them. They are well trained. They're further, they're more trained than the people walking around with concealed weapons. These guys. You know, they've been through, I don't know how many hours it would take, but a decent course. And, you know, and mainly just so people aren't afraid of these people, you know? Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Am I done? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Good. We're taking a break. We'll be back in a bit.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Designed like convertible top in the 
in my rocket and don't be lazy. The wheel pulling out about half past eight. Going round the corner and get a bill. Everybody in my car's gonna take a little nip. Move on out, oozing and cruising along. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's Wednesday, October 7, 2015, about 844 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. You want to participate in the show, 800-932-1980, or go to the website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com, and um, you can find the chat room there. Okay? Just click it. You'll see how easy it is. You can participate in there. And uh, ask questions, make comments, ignore the whole thing, and just, uh, you know, talk with the other people about whatever you want. Okay? All right. Here we go. Uh, The first song, Nobody Got, Down Child Blues Band, was the name of it. And, yes, we have some people in the room with a very good memory because that was in fact Jackie Brenston and his Delta Cats all right welcome back Melissa I said welcome back Melissa oh man thank you bad fader thank you there you go bad bad fader Well, go ahead. All right. So the whole deal with the Oregon and and making it legal to buy marijuana recreationally. Um, like I said, they ra- they raked in an estimated eight, actually eleven million plus dollars, and that figure could mean the state's estimate is shockingly low for how much money it'll make when pot taxes kick in this January. Um, and in Portland, at Nectar on Northeast Sandri- Sandy Boulevard and 33rd Avenue, they're restocking the shelves a lot this week. And the owner, Jeff Johnson, said, we're seeing about 500 people a day. Dispensary owners and customers are reporting Oregon's first week has gone very well. It's exciting, said a customer named Peter. It's really it's just really weird. It feels like it's not even really happening, to be honest. It's really bizarre. Another customer, Emily, I don't know, S-Z-C-Z-E-C-H, Sheck, I don't know, was curious about the first day. We just wanted to come in and check it out, she said. We've never been able to go into one of the stores to see what it's like. And the Oregon Retail Cannabis Association told KGW After tallying up sales from its members statewide and factoring in projections, they estimated there were $3.5 million in sales on the first day, October 1st. One weekend, Oregon is already far ahead of dollars spent on pot compared to Colorado's first week of legal recreational sales at $5 million. 
Washington took a month to sell its first $2 million, according to Marijuana Business Daily. So um, in one week, Oregon took in over $11 million, which is over twice as much as Colorado took in. And like I say, $2 million, it took a month for Washington to sell that much. Um, so when Oregon voters approved recreational marijuana, the state set an estimate of $9 million in net tax revenue for the first full year of 2017, which I don't get because I would think this coming year would be the first full year. But they're saying the first full year is 2017. But the Oregon Retail Cannabis Association believes it'll bring in three to four times that much. So instead of $9 million, it'll bring in 27 to $36 million from just the tax money. It's just person after person after person, said Rachel Clerk, employee at Fresh Buds in southeast Portland. For her store, these hundreds of new customers came at a crucial time. They were trying to stay afloat with only 15 medical customers a day. There for a while, towards the end, we were thinking we might have to close the doors because we weren't getting any kind of steady business, said Clerk. In this past week, they're back in the black, averaging 10 times as much foot traffic, and dispensaries are seeing the customer base vary as much as the strains they're buying. Obviously, we're seeing a young crowd, but we're also seeing people in their 50s and 60s that would never have bought the product if it wasn't legal, said Johnson. Oregon recreational marijuana sales are all tax-free until January. Once that 25% tax gets added on, it'll go to help fund schools, mental health programs, state police, and the cities and counties that are allowing recreational sales. Schools? Yes. And police. Why would state this, police. Now you see, I can tie marijuana sales to the police getting some of the money. Mm-hmm. Because they could say, well, there's going to be all these more stone people out here. That, you know, we're going to have to keep an yeah. eye on and all that, and it's going to cost well, Okay, fine. And I, mental health programs. I get that. And I get that, too, because some people are idiots, and they don't know, you know, they just get themselves all messed up, lose their job, you know, get the Why don't they whatever. do that with pharmaceutical drugs? I mean, to well, parts or of the alcohol. proceeds go to mental health programs? Or alcohol. Where's all that money going? But the I thing agree. is, to the schools, why do the schools? Maybe for more D.A.R.E. programs Oh yeah, stuff, I'm guessing. I don't really know. They don't go into that in this article. But anyway, so they're raking in the money already, and they're going to get a ton of tax money out of this. You know, 27 to 36 million the first year. But then they say 2017, so I don't know what that, how that, they claim that's the first year. (sighs) Sorry. Anyway, so it's your turn. My turn? Unless you want me to go again. No, I'll go. I got a lot of stuff. So do I. <laughs> All right, there we go. Let's see. Uh, what? I've got so many things, it's so hard to figure what I should do first. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, oh, no, no, no. No, that's too long. About Monsanto. How about this? Here's something that goes along with what we were talking about earlier. The headline is, Gun Sales Soar After Surge in U.S. Mass Shootings. (laughs) Gosh. Uh, 
Just as uh, just as was evidenced after the 2007 shootings at Virginia Tech, after Columbine and Tucson in 2011, and following the theater shootings in Aurora, Colorado in 2012, U.S. gun sales have soared following the mass shooting at Umpqua Community College in Oregon, which killed 10 people and injured 7 others. As the FT reports, gun sales this year could surpass the record set in 2013 when gun purchases surged after the December 2012 Sandy Hook fake. They didn't say that, though, but I'm saying that. Uh, Let's see. FT reports business has been brisk for Larry Hyatt, owner of Hyatt Guns in North Carolina, since the Oregon Community College shooting last week that left 10 people dead including the suspect. Mr. Hyatt saw an even bigger surge in customers after the 2012 massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School, because they got more press, you know, uh, that left 26 people dead, including 20 children, before the gunman, of course, (coughs) killed himself. However, the calls for tighter gun laws lead to an increase in weapons sales. Once the public hears the president on the news say, we need more gun controls, it tends to drive sales. Boy, I'll tell you, the gun manufacturers must love Obama. They really must love to see this guy get up there and just say, you know, yeah, buddy, get up there and tell them all. We need to confiscate guns, by gosh. Get out there. Come on. Be a little stronger. You know, get these sales moving. People think if I don't get a gun now, it might be difficult to get one in the future. Store is crowded. We don't want our business to be based on tragedy, but... We have to deal with what we have no control over, Mr. Hyatt said. And after these shootings and then the calls for tougher gun laws, we see a buying rush. You know, so the American people apparently have a much different view of these tragedies than the media does, it appears, right? Because the media right away says, we got to take guns, we got to do something, we got to lock people up, we got to keep people from having guns, we need more gun laws, we need to change the Constitution, we need to do all these things. Yet the American people, with their wallet, they vote to say, no, you know what we need? We need more guns. That's what we need. I mean, are we seeing a complete disconnect between the people and the media, which represents the government, I think we are. Well, I told you when I, sh- I Skyped it to you during your show one day when you were talking about the whole gun control thing after the fake shooting in Oregon, in Roseburg. And it was, I believe it was um, ABC. I can look it up again. But they were saying that, I mean, ABC was sitting there admitting that with all these fake shootings, which they didn't admit were fake, of course, but that people's opinions in polling, you know, have not changed after the, they say, well, okay, they might have changed. They might have changed a little, but a month or so after the fact, even after Columbine, they claim that they still aren't for more stringent gun control legislation. So it seems like it's all just a bunch of hype by the media and the president and you know congress and the administration to me i heard it through the 
Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. After the first segment today, you will hear my co-host, Alfred Addisk, and James Corbett of the Corbett Report. Uh, they will finish out the program, um, as they do on Thursdays, for October 8, 2015. Once again, thank you for joining us this afternoon. And a lot of things are going on. Let's check to see what the market is doing today in gold and silver you have gold down 490 at 11.41. Silver down 38 at $15.78. I got a nice uh, an interesting report, a short one. We're going to talk about silver about the United States and India. And uh, but let me finish the report the markets first. Platinum was up $5 today at 955. Palladium was also up 3 at 704. The USDX today was down slightly, 0.28 at 95.31. Crude oil had another big day, up 1.85 at 49.66. And uh, I guess all worries are gone about China, and uh, you know everything is good in the world again. Who cares about debt? Who cares about stimulus? You know everything's great in this make-believe world we live in. The Dow was up. 138 points today, but it did break over that 17,000 level, 17,050. The NASDAQ was up 19 at 48.10. The S&P was up 17 at 2013. The 10-year yield popped big, 0.05 at 2.11%. Euro was also up uh, 0.32 at 1.13 at 1.13. Foreign markets, uh, not a lot of action there. Pretty much uh, 
you know, we weren't up, uh, the Dow wasn't up uh, 1%, and that's pretty much what we've seen in London and Germany and uh, Asian markets. So not a lot of actions worldwide, not like what we saw today in ours. So a little bit of pressure on the precious metals, but uh, as I mentioned, the U.S. was overtaken by India as the world's largest importer of silver. You know, both these nations, both the U.S. and India, they absorb about 63% of the forecasted mine supply of silver for 2015. But now you have India is the largest importer of silver. And um, uh, India is forecasted to be responsible for importing 340 million ounces. The U.S. is going to absorb about 193 million ounces. And we, we see the change in 2007. India had imported 80 million. In the United States, we imported 153 million. And uh, so we certainly see India getting stronger and the U.S. getting weaker. And of course, I say weaker for the United States. It's because, you know, silver. Uh, is used as an industrial metal. So uh, the U.S. does not have that need. Since our industry base has declined, we don't have the same need as India for that silver. So um, therefore you have India overtaking the United States and the imports of silver, and uh, mainly due to uh, India's uh, large industrial base has continued to grow as the United States industry, industrial uh, designs or industrial demand has declined. Uh, today, the big news is all mainstream media. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy, um, he was considered the front runner to replace Boehner, and he withdrew from the race. And what's interesting is he did this just a few moments before they were ready to nominate most likely him as the Republicans' candidate to replace Boehner. And McCarthy gave no indication of dropping out earlier in the day. In fact, in earlier in the day, he said, it's going to be great, he said Thursday morning. And so <laughs> someone didn't want him in there, and most importantly, gee, what did he do? He must have one heck of a skeleton in his closet. And uh, so something is coming in up that, number one, um, either they want a Boehner to stay in there long enough to get done whatever needs to be done, that they, uh, uh, or um, they need someone to replace Boehner that's uh, on their side, uh, not quite like uh, McCarthy. So he must, I just figure he, you know, whether he's having some sort of an affair that's been brought out, his, his association with these Benghazi investigations, you know, maybe it had something to do with that. Um, everything sort of remains to be seen exactly. But uh, Boehner, he was set to resign at the end of the month, but he said in his statement today that he's going to serve as speaker until the House votes to elect a new one. You know, and, you know, of course, he says that he's sure there will be a, a new one in the coming weeks, However, how long is Boehner going to stay? You know, so if they don't have one by the end of October, uh, by October 30th, you know, heck, we could see Boehner there for a long time. I mean, it seems like the Republican, uh, you know, the GOP is just sort of 
falling apart. They can't falling apart. They can't do anything right altogether. Uh, today, Fed's minutes from the September meeting came out today, and gee, I guess they were a little concerned, maybe about an eight, about a contagion from China. Uh, they said they are worried about the economic slowdown in China, and um, um, and its potential to uh, keep the U.S. inflation persistently low. Uh, minutes of the September 16th, 17th minute, minutes uh, or, or meeting discussion showed the central bank believed the time for the first Fed rate increase in nine years might be near, blah, blah, blah. That's what they keep saying. But I've got a report. We're going to talk about the IMF, and it actually came out yesterday. I hope we had touched on it yesterday, but we didn't have the opportunity to, so I will today. And uh, so it does show that uh, China, that the U.S. is concerned about China's slowdown. There is a contagion, of course, and um, um, but they got a little bit of a reprieve. Uh, China seems to be turning around a little bit as far as their stock market is concerned, and that's all that matters to any of these people. It's the stock markets. Countries don't have economies anymore. They have a stock market. That's where people get their money. So. Um, so the day of reckoning, you hear me talk about it all the time. The day of reckoning is just around the corner. We don't know when that day is. Uh, there could be an unplanned event, some sort of a hiccup uh, in any of the markets, and uh, which would start the beginning to finally the end um, until this illusion is busted. And, uh, but the IMF has a new report that says $3 trillion Dollars of corporate credit crunch looms as debtors face day of reckoning. And uh, they, this report talks about the global risks, how it's pushing the world to the brink of a new financial crisis. And this is what the IMF report talks about. It talks about how the governments and central banks risk tipping the world into this new financial crisis. And uh, the corporate debt binge in the developing world, and you know we've talked about this before. You know the amount of margin debt, um, money being borrowed, uh, leveraged. Uh, the margin levels never been as high as, bef- as uh, to, to the levels they are today, uh, and it's all on all these markets. There's so much leverage and so much debt. Uh, these corporations are borrowing money in order to fund their dividends, in order to buy back their shares. Um, the corporate, uh, uh, they've gone on this huge binge. And it's just not the emerging markets anymore that the IMF is concerned about. It's the U.S., it's Europe, it's Japan. I mean, Japan is slapping in you know, trillions of their yens into stimulus, and what has it done for them? It's pushed their stock market up a little bit. They still can't get a hold of, of their economy. They're, they're, it's not working, which we could have told them that. It's not going to work. It hasn't worked here. It does help create the illusion that it's working. It keeps it actually falling into the abyss, but it's not doesn't solve anything. It just keeps everything going for a little bit longer. Um, this dangerous over-leveraging it threatens to unleash a wave of defaults that will imperil an already weak global economy. And the IMF produces this report twice a year. The fund 
the fund warned there was no margin for error for policymakers navigating these hazardous risks. The slightest miscalculation could collapse. And the, the failed normalization of interest rates and market conditions, wiping 3% from the world's economic output over the next two years. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, it's going to be more than 3% from the world's economic output over the next two years. Today, Deutsche Bank comes out and they start talking about a $7 billion loss in the, in the third quarter. Um, so you have all of these. So we're beginning to see these bigger and bigger losses coming from these banks. Even the Deutsche Bank, was it a week ago, two weeks ago, they talked about the, the perils of economies and the debt of, of, of countries and nations around the world, how we're just moments away from a collapse. Uh, this was from Deutsche Bank uh, a week ago. Uh, we've been trying to get to this report for the last week, but uh, we keep getting sidetracked on uh, Al, Alfred and myself. So we'll try to bring that again tomorrow. But um, And this is Germany's uh, biggest bank uh, report, reported this on an unscheduled statement late Wednesday. And, uh, you know, we know all that they're involved in as far as the manipulations of gold and silver. They pulled out, of, you know, so, you know, they have a history anyway. So anyway, so we're going to go back to the IMF report. The world's major central banks should ensure policy remains accommodative for fear of setting off a new wave of instability that would see bond prices rise and asset prices collapse. Okay. Um, which means no, no rate increases for anyone. They can't increase the rates. You know, if they increase the rates, they're going to have more stimulus. They, they need to keep this going or it all collapses. It all fails. You're going to see, and we talk about with Greg Hunter, we talk about the collateral. You know, we talk about a, a disorderly uh, uh, selling, fire sales, redemptions, which creates more volatility. And in fact, Greg Hunter will be on our program Monday. He's scheduled to be on Monday. So make sure you tune in and write on your calendars that Greg Hunter uh, from the USA Watchdog will be joining us on October 12th which I believe is Monday. So this report also called on the Federal Reserve, as I mentioned, to hold off on its first interest rate hike in nine years. And for the authorities in the Eurozone and Japan to continue with unprecedented stimulus measures. How can anyone look at this report and, and, and feel confident that things are together and things are flowing as they should? I mean, the world economy exists because of the low rates in the U.S. and the trillions of stimulus, as I mentioned, by Japan and Europe. I mean, this should scare the pants off of anyone who even cares to understand just a small fraction of how huge this is. And that how can anyone deny the importance of gold and silver? when the IMF warns these nations about changing any current policies. I mean, we know the IMF came in earlier in the year to tell Janet Yellen, hey, you got to hold off, you know, maybe uh, 2016, maybe longer. Uh, we 
they told China, hey, you, you can't come into our uh, uh, SDRs until next year, too. I mean, there can't be any major changes in anything or the whole worldwide system collapses. You know, managing any outbreaks in financial contagion is going to require uh, huge funds being produced, money printing, to avoid and to to stop the bleeding like we saw in 2008. And this will be nothing compared to 2008. The IMF painted a picture of a brutal financial system that was coming to the end of a period of cheap liquidity propped up by low rates. And uh, we certainly saw some volatility in the summer stock market. Uh, Record capital flows from emerging markets, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, we haven't experienced anything yet. You think the summer market was volatile? We have. That was laughable. That was nothing. That was child's play. What we saw as far as volatility in the markets. This is a challenge. The challenge will be abnormal market conditions to adjust smoothly to the new environment. The world is going to change. There will be a new environment. And people will have to adjust. And it isn't the central banks. It isn't the, you know, certainly you're going to see, you know, central banks. Certainly you're going to see everyone hurt. But where people around the world will be the ones who have to adjust to a new environment. Those who have saved, those who have planned, those who have sacrificed to provide for themselves, their children, their grandchildren, their retirement, these are the people that will lose the most. Unless, and they do have a choice. They can make a decision to Protect what they have. And yeah, you know where I'm going with this. You need to be diversified into gold and silver. You have China's authorities. The IMF continues. China's authorities will also have to put up with corporate bankruptcies, debt defaults. So we're just not talking about the U.S. In the wake of a stock market collapse earlier this year, the report called on Beijing to embark on an orderly deleveraging by removing stabilizers artificially propping up its indebted companies. And the last statement from the IMF, what we want to achieve is a successful normalization of financial conditions and monetary policies together with a sustained economic recovery. 3% of global output is at stake. So they know it's coming, they know what's going to happen, and they're trying to achieve a successful purging of the system. Well, that's not going to happen. So get prepared, folks. 1-800-375-4188. And um, I think the IMF better hope it's only 3% of global output that is at stake because personally, I believe it's going to be a lot more 
than that. Remember, folks, we got that special going on with the $5 AU uh, Liberty Gold piece. It's in an almost uncirculated condition. It's almost a quarter of an ounce. And 20 American Silver Eagles dated 2015. These are 2015s. And uh, the price on that special was $795. So give us a call at 1 800 375 4188. That's 1 800 375 4188. I hope you enjoyed the program with Alfred and James Corbett of the Corbett Reports. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3Ws.thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Addisk, and this is the American Independence Hour. I'm here with our guest, James Corbett, from the CorbettReport.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T, CorbettReport.com. James <clears throat> is speaking to us from Japan. He comes. He's been on the program almost every, uh, almost once a week for a year now. Uh, once in a while, we can't make the connection, but regardless, James is here and certainly one of the most intelligent people around, articulate people around, and knowledgeable people around. Hello, James. How are you doing? That means someone, James, is supposed to be here. I am not supposed to be talking to myself. I do that myself. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. All right. What happened? (laughs) After that beautiful sterling intro, I uh, pressed the wrong button and hung up. So uh, I thought, I, I'm not living up to my my sterling reputation today. I but guess you'll, that, you'll notice. I didn't say well, anything about being a master of pushing buttons. I said very intelligent guy. Well, you'll notice I'm a bit under the weather today, anyway. So I'm not going to be at 100. percent I'm afraid. Good. And in your weakened condition, maybe I'll be able to pose some intriguing uh, questions. I hope so. Um, let's start out with some that aren't all that intriguing. But there's an article from CNN Money. And the headline is, Japan's Abenomics Experiment is on the Rocks. And Prime Minister Abe in Japan has tried a Japanese form of quantitative easing to try to get the Japanese economy off of stagnation. It has not apparently worked, at least not yet. And if is it true that Abenomics has failed? In Japan, is that an accurate statement right now, or is it a threat? And if so, what's next for Japan, and what's next for the global economy? Uh, well, it's absolutely the case that Abenomics has been a complete, utter failure, and uh, there's a lot of different windows into that statistic. I think the one that's perhaps most pertinent is the uh, the declining real wages in Japan, which have been declining for most of the past two years on pretty much a straight-down uh, path. There's been a couple of months where it's raised its head above water, but for the most part, real wages in Japan have declined almost every single month for the past two years. I mean, that's a pretty blatant sign that whatever this is supposed to be doing in terms of stimulating economic activity, it is failing to reach the people who actually need it, the people at the bottom of the economic ladder here in Japan. Basically, the whole idea of this has been to uh, do a massive monetary stimulus, basically a QE-style monetary stimulus with the intent of doubling the money supply in the space of two years, uh, and co- couple that with increased government spending and supposed economic uh, reforms and reforms of the corporate sector here in Japan, which is famously quite rigid and stuck in its ways. So there's been moves towards trying to uh, at least give lip service to getting women more involved in the economy and things like that. And some of the uh, windows into how that has been a spectacular failure. One of the government programs, there, there was a government program put in place for corporations to uh, receive benefits if they uh, put more women into uh, executive positions. Not a single corporation actually applied for that benefit. So I think whatever they were attempting to do uh, has obviously not, not worked. And uh, that's reflected in the fact that now the GDP uh, is shrank to uh, 1.2% growth in the second quarter, and most economists are expecting when the Q3 results will come out that Japan will be technically back into recession. So so it has uh, absolutely failed on every front. And I think this is uh, not only a reflection of what's going on in the world economy generally, I think it's also an indicator of what's uh, 
Well, I mean, I think it feeds back both ways. I think the world economic slowdown is is part of what's causing this uh, this slowdown in Japan. But also, I think the slowdown in Japan and the fact that this is failing is uh, going to feed back negatively on Japan's trading partners. And of course, Japan is still a heavily uh, export dependent economy. So there's a lot of nations that are taking advantage of the weak yen, but uh, there's not a lot of money coming back, and that's going to lead to a decline in Japanese consumer spending and uh, uh, slowdown in Japanese imports. All right. We're going to see people in this country are going to have second thoughts about quantitative easing insofar as we see more evidence of quantitative easing failing in Japan. Does that give us any reason to hope that quantitative easing will work in this country? Well, I mean, I think we've already seen the Federal Reserve um, well, has at least laid off of the gas pedal when it comes to the quantitative easing um, with uh, their their stimulus. So we're now at that strange, I guess, the, uh, the, the gear is in neutral at the moment, and everyone's waiting for this supposed rate hike, which is looking less and less likely to ever come, especially given the dismal September jobs reports that just came out in the U.S. and uh, just absolutely... Um, well below everyone's expectations, so, which is another reason why the Fed is going to come out probably in the next month or two and say, well, you know, we, we just can't raise rates this year, and then it'll kick the, the, that ball down the road a little bit more. So I think everyone understands that the uh, Fed has painted itself into the corner with its QE, and now that a lot of the world is involved in what is now being dubbed quantitative tightening, the kind of unwinding, the reversal of this QE, where we had that liquidity flooding out into the emerging markets. We had capital flowing out there from the U.S. dollar uh, as, a, as the kind of borrowing currency and then flooding out into the markets in the emerging uh, economies. Now that's unwinding, and we see a lot of that trade coming back. And I think for the first time since 1989, I want to say, something along those lines, we've seen actual net import of capital from the emerging market economies rather than capital going out towards them. So I think we're starting to see the great unwind of everything. And, uh, the, I mean, the only button, really, the only lever that the Fed has left to do is more stimulus, more more of the... Uh, more of the hair of the dog that bit them. So uh, yeah, I think that's I the only thing that they've got at this point. I saw an article by Simon Black, sovereign man. You've probably seen some of his work. I saw an article a week or 10 days ago where he calculates that the Federal Reserve has about 1.3% more assets, primarily in the form of U.S. treasuries, than it has liabilities, which he says translates into essentially a 1.3% net worth for the Federal Reserve. I'd look at it as a margin for error. It was an interesting article. That was the point to it. He didn't come to any final conclusions, any additional conclusions. But what crossed my mind is this. If the Federal Reserve has only 1.3% more bonds, primarily assets, than it has liabilities, and if it's true that the universal law of bonds is that when interest rates go up, the value of the bonds goes down, or when interest rates go down, the value of the bonds goes up, there's an inverse relationship between interest rates and the price of the bonds, then can the Federal Reserve dare to raise interest rates above a quarter of a percent? Will raising interest rates cause the value of the bonds in the Fed's own vault, their own treasury, 
Will it cause them to fall by more than 1.3%? And if they do, does that render the Fed technically insolvent and arguably bankrupt? Are they really resisting the idea of raising bonds because the economy is too weak or because the Fed's balance sheet is too weak? Right, raising rates. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, obviously both situations play into each other. And obviously the Fed is, if one were to look at it rationally and just look at the, the balance sheet as if this was a rational investment decision, then clearly the Fed is not in uh, particularly uh, on, on stable ground and would not be a good investment for someone if they were thinking of, you know, where to where to put their money. Of course, people can't put their money in the Federal Reserve in that sense, but it does give an indication of the, the overall financial stability of the heart, the backbone of the, the American banking system. And I think Simon Black also extends that analysis out to a lot of other just, you know, individual banks in the, the Federal Reserve System and shows that their balance sheets are similarly uh, not up to uh, not up to par, that there's a lot and of And if interest are, rates go up, if they've put all of their Federal Reserve notes into one basket, that basket being U.S. Treasuries, if they raise interest rates, the face value of those Treasuries go down, which means well, the value of their assets and their vaults and their own, their individual, tre their individual Treasury accounts, whatever, those go down, and now all of a sudden are the banks threatened with insolvency and uh, perhaps bankruptcy. Well, I think another aspect of this problem, this dilemma, is that the, uh, the, the U.S. Treasury markets are already, I mean, there's extremely low liquidity in them because there's yeah. uh, not a lot of buyers at the moment. Yeah. And so we saw that Treasury flash crash uh, several months ago that, uh, that in, in the space of a day, I mean, it, it brought pr uh, prices, uh, the, the, the U.S. Treasury market basically ground to a halt and, uh, and, you know, there was emergency operations to get it going again. And I think we could see, obviously, more of that if there is some sort of volatility in the markets and what's the biggest volatility that, come, that could come is a rate hike of some sort. So. Yeah. Again, I mean, I think even people who are trying to divest of uh, treasuries are probably going to have a hard time doing so if and when that, uh, that rate starts rising, because the only buyer, I think, at that point is going to be the Federal Reserve. And yeah, I but guess can they? they can continue. Well, they can They're continue. already painted into such a, such a deep corner. I don't, even, I don't know if they, can, if they can purchase more of those bonds. There is, no, there is no theoretical limit on their balance sheet. I mean, there's mm -hmm. no point at which they can't print more money. They can continue to do that. But the only question is when people stop buying into the system and stop believing in the, the Federal Reserve. When there's a bank run on the Federal Reserve, I mean, it wouldn't be a bank run like, you know, lining up at your bank should get more. Well, actually, that could precipitate it. But when there's that type of crisis for the Federal Reserve, that's the point at which that balance sheet becomes misleading. But ultimately, at this point, I mean, it doesn't matter if they have 1.3% margin or a 10% margin or a negative 50% margin. Everyone's still playing the game. Everyone's still, uh, you know, playing the uh, the treasuries and the, the, the equities as if nothing's going wrong. So unfortunately, they can continue to perpetrate the fraud as long as people continue to go along with it. But do you think people would continue to play along with the fraud once it became overtly clear, undeniable, that the Fed's liabilities were greater than its assets. Once that 1.3% uh, yeah. disappears, is that, Mark, the end? Is that the wake-up moment where people say, wait a second, you mean these people are insolvent? Yeah. 
I would love to think it's time so. to run. It's I would not love just to time so. to figure out. It's time and to there, beat. Yeah. I mean, there may be an appreciative difference, a qualitative difference in the, the reporting when it actually hits that moment of insolvency, technical insolvency. I mean, that, that, that could be a moment that would spark some headlines that would certainly at least get the, uh, the Fed having to backpedal and explain itself. But, uh, but given the fact that they've survived this long with such a large fraud, really since its inception. I mean, we're talking about a 101-year-long con that's been going on here uh, longer, if you extend it back to when the, uh, the Federal Reserve was first being planned in secret. I don't know. It, it almost seems at this point that there's no end to what the public will not believe and buy, if, as long as it's sold to them by a, you know, a, a newscaster with a nice suit and a shiny, pearly white smile um, under you know, million-dollar studio lights. I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to think that the, the public will become aware of these issues, but I think that's really the point of shows like this one and the work that we do is to, to get people aware that this system is fundamentally flawed and that we have to uh, seek out the alternatives. You were talking about Japan. They haven't seen a wage increase in the last two years under abenomics and pointing out this is a, this is a problem. All right, they may not have seen wage increases, but what about unemployment? Even though people aren't getting more money, are they losing their jobs or are they holding on to their jobs in Japan? Employment is fairly stable in Japan, mm -hmm. uh, but it's, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a different type of manipulation. In America, they just cook the books. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the numbers that are coming out, the 5% numbers or whatever, are just ridiculous on their face, and the labor participation rate shows that. I think, what is it, 94 million Americans now of working age that don't, that don't have a job. But not, of course, not all of them are unemployed because they're not looking for work or whatever phony cooked-up definitions they come up with. In Japan, there really isn't a lot of that chronic unemployment that's being yeah. Uh, obscured by statistic, statistical manipulation, but here there's a lot of make-work jobs that only exist to basically give people a job. I mean, you, you have... say here, you mean in Japan? In Japan, sorry, yes, yeah. here in Japan. So you have people who are, uh, you know, uh, directing traffic at, uh, at, uh, at shopping malls, parking lots, and things like this. I mean, completely meaningless make-work type of jobs. Uh, construction is notoriously a kind of make-work project here that uh, is run generally by either mafia or ex-policemen, and they get these cushy contracts, and then they, uh, they hire, you know, a dozen workers to stand around a, a hole, you know, for 12 hours and do not a lot of anything. So, I mean, there isn't a lot of unemployment here, not that kind of chronic unemployment, but there's a lot of meaningless make-work kind of jobs here and a lot of very, very small-paying jobs. Well, then they have their way of concealing unemployment in Japan. Um, they do that by hiring people to do meaningless jobs. We conceal our unemployment in this country by cooking the books and saying there's only 5 million unemployed, where according to some figures, I've got an article here by Michael Snyder, and the headline, he says, now there are 102.6 million working-age Americans that do not have a job. So which is better? Uh, a, a massive unemployment or no increase in wages. And is either better or do they both, you know, foreshadow an enormous amount of trouble? Well, there, neither one is a happy situation. But, I mean, just looking at it from the human perspective, most people on the planet want to put in a hard, hard day's work and get 
paid for it and put food on their table and feel like they've accomplished something. I mean, I think that's that's part of the fundamental drive of the human species, and most people can relate to that. Of course, there are exceptions, but a lot of people just want to do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. So from that perspective, to have meaningless jobs, I mean, at at least people have some sense that they are doing something. but to to be one of those you know hundred whatever million it is now that of people that just aren't really counted and you know they're just kind of swept under the rug i mean what a what a meaningless existence in so many different ways and I think that breeds the kind of despair and hopelessness that can be really pervasive and really eat into a society all right let's take a break for some commercials and James Corbett and I will be back in a moment on financial survival I'm here with James Corbett c o r b e t t from the Corbett Report. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Folks, I'm Alfred Adask here with James Corbett on financial survival. And we were talking, when we broke for commercials, James was talking about the need for jobs. And you pointed out that people without jobs are prone to despair and hopelessness, that we need jobs not simply to get the money. Right? We need to have a sense of self-worth. 
that we can find, and most of us do, that we can find in, in having a job, a meaningful job. And it suggests, if that's true, it suggests that people on welfare are necessarily being driven towards anger, at least despair and hopelessness, and perhaps to anger. Do you agree with that, or do you think I'm making a mistake? Oh, no, I really do agree with that. I mean, I think when you look back at revolutionary moments in history, like, for example, the French Revolution, it's not even necessarily the economic um, side of it that is really the contributing factor, the spark that, that starts the revolution, so much as it is the, uh, the, 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 the sort of demoralization that happens in a public that, that sees the expanding the uh, difference, the gulf between the the very people at the, the top, of, the people at the very top of the economy versus the people at the bottom, and when that becomes very visible, then uh, you start to get those revolutionary moments. And in fact, I was reading an interesting piece about how the, in the French, the lead up to the French Revolution, it was actually overall for the uh, the generation or so preceding the revolution, it was an expanding economy. There was actually increasing uh, standards of living amongst the mo- most of the French public. But it was the fact that they were starting to get a taste of, you know, the better life. And then that, that was uh, pulled out from under the rugs by bad harvests and and, uh, and uh, famine and things of that nature that, that really sparked the revolution. And I think we can see similar types of revolutionary fervor coming along. I mean, that's being felt in the political sense right now by these, you know, firebrands and rogues who are, you know, coming towards the surface of the, uh, the political sphere. So you can see why a, a Sanders or a Trump um, would, would be so popular at this moment in time in the United States. I mean, America, make America strong might be some ridiculous political rhetoric buzzword, but it appeals to people who have been so demoralized by their lack of, you know, meaningful employment and, uh, and sense of opportunity that uh, obviously it, it's striking a chord with a lot of people. And uh, I think we can understand this as not just an economic phenomenon, but more fundamentally a psychological and social phenomenon. Speaking of Bernie Sanders, he's the avowed socialist. He's raised almost as much money in contributions from small private donors as Hillary Clinton has raised from big packs and the super rich. More, Bernie Sanders is attracting crowds of 20,000 or more to his rallies. Can Bernie Sanders count on the political support of what Michael Snyder guesstimates to be about 103 million unemployed Americans. If Sanders and his notion of socialism and perhaps putting a chicken in every pot, is that going to create, uh, is that going to galvanize 103 million people? And if so, who can beat him in the 2016 election? I mean, Trump has some interesting ideas. Yeah, we'll make America great again. But what's that got to do with the people that are unemployed? I don't yeah. think Trump is speaking to the unemployed. And if Michael Snyder is correct, there's 103 million unemployed. That's a third of the population. And this is adults. This is a potential political revolution. So I'm asking, is the combination of Bernie Sanders' socialism and his promises to provide food and, and, uh, and, and money for the unemployed and the 103 million unemployed, is that about to precipitate a revolutionary victory for socialism and a massive political change in America in 2016? Potentially. 
I mean, I could see how that could develop into uh, yeah. that type of narrative. And I, I think more, more, I can e- more easily see that as an actual narrative developing than, uh, than Trump. I mean, I think I Trump is too. a kind of political flash in the pan. I think he'll be gone by the time we get into the primaries and, and you know, things start to shake out. But Sanders, one could see that actually continuing. Um, the question of who could actually dethrone him, I mean, I guess... Really, we have to see what Hillary has up her sleeve. And I know it's ridiculous to say, <laughs> because there's no reason on earth that Hillary should even be in the running, let alone a, a front runner. But, uh, but you know, the Clintons have more than nine lives, I think, politically. They have a million lives and, uh, you know, maybe a similar number of bodies in the closet that uh, help yeah, ensure their place in the hierarchy. So. I'm sure there will be lots of dirty tricks and what have you. I'm certainly not a fan of uh, Sanders and socialism as the answer, but I certainly see why it is appealing to so many people right now. And I think there is, there, there's absolutely a moment for political populism right now. And that, that mood has been in the air for several years now. And we saw, I think, Obama's campaign, I think, brilliantly kind of take that momentum and like in a jujitsu move, kind of use it against itself and, oh, cha- hope and change. And they made that the central part of their campaign. And that's, they sort of diffused that energy. I think that energy is still there. And in fact, perhaps more so now, now that people have been squandering in this economic doldrum for several years now, I think people are really looking for, for something that they, they perceive to be fundamentally different. And I think Sanders is offering that. So there's definitely a case to be made that he'll be. And there's 103 million of them. Yeah. That's the thing. If Michael Snyder is correct, there's 103 million. That's a wave of potential voters that nobody can match. Republicans have nothing to bring in 103 million people. I mean, this is weak. When I saw Bernie Sanders first enter the race, I thought, you know, isn't that sweet? (laughs) He got this white-haired old guy who's going to take a shot at being president. Yeah, that's cute, you know. No, this is serious and potentially revolutionary. And feeding off the unemployment. I've got I've got an article here, another one from Michael Snyder. World War Three. This is the headline: World War Three. Russia putting on display a firepower that is shocking the world. The Russians have unleashed their own version of shock and awe in Syria, and the brutal efficiency of their airstrikes against ISIS targets has stunned many observers around the world. For more than a year, the Obama administration has claimed that its bombing campaign in Syria has been a success, and yet ISIS has continued to grow. And yes, just in a matter of days, Russians have done great harm to ISIS. Um, and we are left to wonder, why did those ISIS targets still exist in the first place? This is Michael Snyder. Was the U.S. military unable to identify them previously? Or could it be possible that the Obama administration did not want to hit the ISIS targets? What do you think about that? Are Um, we really fighting against ISIS? Are we funding ISIS? What are we doing? Uh, no, of course, I don't think the fight has really been against ISIS. I mean, obviously, they're, uh, they're, they're putting in the show, but I don't think they've done anything to, to fundamentally remove ISIS. And Russia is, I think, brilliantly calling out that hypocrisy. I think they're showing it for the farce that it is. And uh, at the latest, actually, today, um, they've just started a naval bombardment. Um, so they've been launching cruise missiles from the Caspian Sea uh, and over Iran, over Iraq, over Iran, uh, into Syria. So a thousand miles away, they've been striking uh, with cruise cruise missiles today. So again, just unleashing more spectacular firepower and showing what an actual resistance to the Islamic State would actually look like if the U.S. or any of the other allies, uh, I guess, 
supposedly against ISIS were serious. Yeah. Um, so this is obviously showing it for what it is, which is a farce. And I think the only question is, how how can uh, the U.S., the Saudis, the, Tur- the, the Turks, all of these people in this alliance, how can they respond to it? Because, I mean, ultimately... I think they've already lost the game diplomatically because they've, of course, been giving lip service to this great growing ISIS threat for so many years. And now that it's actually being taken care of, oh, no, you can't do that. Uh, I I think they've been backed into a corner. I know. it's uh, (laughs) They're caught in a situation where they either have to now follow Russia's lead to exterminate them and and but let, following Russia's lead all by itself is is damaging to the Obama administration or they can resist it or 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 just ignore it and it just makes them look stupid impotent and weak i mean they're caught in this, uh, they have been humiliated and some might suppose that Russia would be content with as much humiliation as they've imposed on the American military and the Obama administration by going after ISIS but this next article I've got shows that Russia may be just getting started. This one's from Reuters, and it says Russian warplanes in Syria destroy U.S.-trained rebels' weapons depots. All right, Beirut, uh, Russian airstrikes have destroyed the main weapon depot, depot of the U.S.-trained, U.S.-trained rebel group in Syria. Um, in an expansion of Russian attacks on insurgents backed by foreign enemies of President Bashar Assad. It appears that Russia's got your back. Russia's got your back. They don't care who's going after Assad, whether it's indigenous rebels or ISIS or people that are backed by the United States. Russia is there to protect Assad. That by by itself is impressive. Um, They have initially, in the last week or so, started attacking ISIS forces that threatened President uh, Assad. Now Russia is attacking U.S.-supported rebels that were attacking President Assad. If, uh, is Russia goading the U.S. tiger, or is it goading a paper tiger, a fiat tiger, so to speak? Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, Russia's uh, interest is to defend their own military personnel at Latakia and Tarsus on the uh, on the Mediterranean Sea coast. So I think that their initial airstrikes, uh, as was pointed out by the U.S. at the time, were were centered more on that area on the western side of Syria, that aren't that isn't actually under the control of the Islamic State. It's more of these rebel opposition groups that are being funded and supported by the U.S. and what have you. So I think from from the outset of this most recent campaign a, a week or so ago. I think we've seen that these strikes are being directed at really anything that's threatening the Russian interests primarily, and of course as an adjunct of that to um, anything that's threatening Assad's forces. And I don't think Russia is making any bones about that, that they are there to help support Assad in their fight against the the terrorist insurgency. So um, I think that this is brilliantly summed up in in a cartoon it's an editorial cartoon. I don't know uh, who actually did the cartoon, but the Russian embassy in uh, United Arab Emirates tweeted it out of their Twitter account. And it's a, a cartoon of, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, arm and equip and fund the right terrorist. And they have all of the different uh, brigades, the, not only uh, ISIS and the al-Nusra Front, but all of the various different factions that are there in Syria. And it's, they all look, of course, exactly identical. And you're supposed to cut out this, you know, uh, yeah. model, this little bazooka and, and place it in the hands of the right terrorist. And I think it makes the point quite brilliantly that there has never been some moderate opposition and, and never will be. In, in the whole Syrian debacle. It has been a terrorist insurgency from the beginning, and every single 
time the uh, the alliance has funded any sort of so-called moderate group, their weapons, their funds, and their their personnel end up fighting for or fighting with al Nusra or fighting with you know literal Al Qaeda in Iraq or fighting with Islamic State or or you know these these other boogeymen. So, I mean, I I don't think you can claim that this is some sort of Oops! Oh, wouldn't you know it? All of our weapons and, and supplies ended up in their hands once again. I think by this point, I mean it's obviously something that's well known. It's a strategy, and uh, and, uh, and let's not forget that the former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency said the White House was he felt the White House was purposefully building up the Islamic State. Is the United States so tied down by a multitude of treaties, and perhaps by a multitude of secret schemes? that it can no longer move without alienating one or more of its treaty partners? In other words, is Russia basically free because it hasn't signed treaties with everybody? They go in and just hammer them, bomb them, kill them all, that's all. Well, the United States has to pussyfoot around because we're working deals with everybody, and as a result, we can't, we can't actually act. Do you follow what I'm saying? Is there a value? I do. I yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it's it's kind of more to do with the fact that the U.S. is on the side of all of these people in the region who are who have been involved in funding the uh, the opposition in Syria for many years. Uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, obviously, uh, Turkey, the, the Gulf states, Qatar, and and places like that. All of that opposition has various pieces of you know stakes in the country. Russia has actually formed alliances now, but it's with. Syria, it's with Iraq, it's with Iran, and China is also part of this, uh, you know, interestingly enough. So the actual countries that are actually being affected, that are actually now asking the Russians to come in, where of course the Syrian government hasn't asked the United States or anyone else to, you know, please bomb us. So I think there's a, a quantitative, qualitative difference in the, in the alliances that have been forged on these sides. And, and I think one is genuinely interested in self-defense of their nation, and then the other side is kind of, you know, what can we get out of this? And yeah. because that's their, their, their role in this is to come in as this outside force, of course they want to, you know, make sure they cut up the pie in the right way and, oh, you can't bomb these people, we're funding them, and things like that. That's why I think there's been so much pussyfooting around on the U.S. side. Is there any way for the, the Obama administration to emerge from the current Middle East debacle without being dishonored and just shown to be stupid, weak, impotent, whatever? <laughs> Is there a silver lining in this for Obama? Oh, I don't. I really don't see a way out of this at this point. Again, I think the Russians have called them on their bluff brilliantly. I guess you know Fox News and whatever, whatever can you know just wave the flag. And uh, I guess people who still believe those types of propaganda outlets might still you know believe whatever they say. But I think the you know they, they've been pretty much exposed for what what they are and what their role in the region is. And you know the conspiratorial side of me wants to say that this is really part of the bigger bigger agenda of what's going on here the US has to be the rogue state that is being put in line by the Russians and what have you in order to bring about the new you know the new order of whatever the you know the, the UN or its replacements in the future or whatever is going to look like in order to have a global order you have to have this reason to put this you know reckless rogue empire in its place and i think that's part of the narrative that's being developed here and a lot of people even in the alternative media are promoting that as if you know Russia are now the paragons of virtue in the world, and you know we can all get behind them. I think that's a dangerous way of looking at it because ultimately, I think it plays into the globalist agenda. Well, we're going to have to let it go with that because we are out of time, James. I want to thank you as always for being on the program. Always a pleasure talking to you. I enjoy the conversations, I enjoy your answers, and I enjoy trying to come up with questions. Look forward to trying again next Thursday. Uh, in the meantime. 
uh, folks, thanks for listening, and may the good Lord bless you, me, James, and Frank, the producer. Good night. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? And still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. makes deep sea salt from France so different. Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating, gasoline reserves are low, and the price is rising. World events are, at best, uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret 
All right, everybody, you're listening. Here it is, the God of War's Day, Thor's Day. And uh, you're listening to American Voice Radio, of course. And it's Freedom Call, of course. And I'm your host, Bo Grites, of course. Now, the reason I keep saying in co- of course is that I was out in my hangar. Uh, somebody had asked me to locate a videotape. Jaminy Christmas. And so I have a twin Cessna sitting there in my hangar, a Riley Rocket. Uh, Riley uh, did uh, for Cessna 310s. You know, that's uh, like we used to see it on black and white uh, TV uh, as they flew that Cessna 310 around. Uh, in uh, just exactly uh, the way that Shelby did Mustangs, this old guy from Oklahoma named Riley, he took a 310 and he built it the way God would have made a medium twin uh, had it been heavenly built. He kicked off uh, the old 470 uh, engines and he put 0540s on there. And then he put two turbos, not one, but two turbos on each engine. Then they spin at 30,000 RPM. It's frightening to think that when you look out the right and you look out uh, the port and you see these engines, uh, three-bladed props whirl away, that uh, uh, you have four of these machines out there doing 30,000 RPM. But uh, the Cessna 310 uh, used to uh, fly 200 mile an hour. The Riley rocket, I have actually seen 300 miles an hour, and Riley guaranteed it for 300 mile an hour. It, uh, besides, that's what the turbos are all about. You get up high, and uh, boy, those turbos are lit. Now, it sucks gas about 30 gallons an hour, and that's why I don't have much place to go and can't afford to go, even if I did have somewhere to go today. But the air is thin up there, and I've had Nellis Range uh, so proudly ask me on more than one occasion just exactly what kind of twin Cessna are you flying? Because when I would check in, uh, Nellis Range, that's all restricted area where they had the atomic bomb test. It's where they do all of uh, the, the red uh, flying. You know, it's like the Navy has got Top Gun. Well, the Air Force uh, has got a red flag out at Nellis. Nellis is the fighter center uh, for the United States Air Force in the United States. So you can come across the range. Uh, that's also out there where Area 51 is, and the aliens that eat fat, ugly people in North Las Vegas uh, after the sun goes down. That's what I've been told by people that work out there at, at the Nellis Range. Anyway, uh, I've cut across the Nellis Range, but you've got to identify yourself. and has to be approved. And so I always just say uh, that it's a twin Cessna. But when the air traffic control out of Nellis, they call it range control, sees that this little blip is going at uh, 300 mile an hour, 
they know that that's not a Cessna 310. And so I have been asked, and then what I do is I try to put on my best uh, uh, kind of uh, mundane Oklahoma monotone voice. And when they say just exactly what kind of twin Cessna is this, and I will say uh, this is a Cessna 310, and they say, do you know that you are doing 300 mile an hour over the ground? And I say, yes, uh, I am aware of that. Uh, I have one bad cylinder on my starboard engine, uh, which would meant, of course, I'd be going a lot faster. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they get the joke, and sometimes they don't. But I love that old airplane. That plane is actually... Uh, it was like the 112th 310 that they put off the market. I mean, when Riley got a hold of it, and he hot-rodded it, he put a different tail on it, he put different exhausts, uh, he put six seats in instead of five, the way that the 310 uh, had. Uh, Riley put what he calls a Mexican radar. He made the nose longer and more streamlined. Uh, he filled in all the rivets. Uh, it flies like a scalded dog. It is, if I had a name for her, I'd just call her my dream girl because if I have trouble going to sleep, there are so many switches and levers and buttons and knobs uh, in there that you've got to push, pull, twist, punch. <laughs> just to get her started and uh, to get everything fired up and to start taxiing, that uh, in my thoughts as I'm going through all this, I'll be asleep before I ever uh, hit the active runway. Anyway, I was out there because it's surrounded by other people's stuff now and by some of my old records. And I found some newsletters, and I realized how long I've been doing this radio program, Freedom Call. I started Freedom Call in September 1994 when Tom Donahue went to prison. And I just happened to, I, read, I saw some old newsletters. And I reached down, and here is... September and October, 1994. And I saw some interesting stories. And uh, it's not just uh, because they're very interesting to me to go back uh, 16 years and uh, look as if it were yesterday. One of the uh, newsletters in the uh, September uh, 1994, I gave you the exact procedure for uh, applying for an allodial title. Yeah. Now, uh, you might, I thought that this might be rather interesting. Uh, I have this uh, old dictionary, like back when uh, the seventh president, Andy Jackson, was in charge. And uh, I love Andy Jackson. He's my favorite president. Anyway, it uh, says allodium there, and it says land the way it is in America, privately owned, with no taxes, 
not able to be seized by the government, unlike the land in England and Great Britain, which is owned by the king and only is feudally transferred by the sovereign uh, to the people. Well, that's what fee simple is. We don't own our land. We have to pay the government taxes, don't we? And the government can come in and they can uh, take it all away by seizing it uh, for any one of a lot of reasons, the IRS, for example, uh, or they can do it uh, you know, for the common good. But they, they tried to do that in the Los Angeles Valley to Hughes Helicopters. They were going to build a freeway. But Howard Hughes was a pretty smart guy. The lawyers for Hughes Helicopters said, you need to read the title, the land title for Hughes Helicopters and wheat because it is an elodial title, a land patent, which meant that the government cannot for any reason, there are no taxes, you don't pay anybody any money, and they can't come out and take it away from you. Now, that is the case with a lady out here in Sandy Valley under two administrations, Minnie Bush. She's 92 years old. Uh, might have been 93 at her last birthday, August. But uh, two administrations, Republican, Minnie Bush, and uh, whoever we got up there now, uh, the Democrats. Though, now, what do they want her land for? She has this, uh, for Nevada, relatively speaking, a little uh, like uh, 10 acres of land that she just uh, has her, uh, you know, her mining site when her and her husband first came out in the 50s. She has been on that land more than 50 years. And when uh, Minnie Mee Bush sent armed agents out to give this widow, her husband was in World War II in the Navy, to give her an order that says you either clear this land in 30 days, and it's called recover, which means put it back the way God uh, first had it, or we will uh, bring you before a federal magistrate and you will have to show cause why uh, federal agent, you know, we're going to put her in threatening her with jail and eviction from her land. So I uh, just said, Annie, give me everything you got. So she gave me this, you know how elderly, I'm not talking older, I'm talking elderly people are. They keep whatever they got. You know, I mean, the papers are brown and crackly, and the ink is oxidized to where it looks kind of, you know, like a light brown. Well, she brought all these original documents out and also had a map. She said, now, Bo, here is the BLM's map that shows my hoodoo mine. Boy, I looked at the BLM map. I looked down at the ledger. Land patent. A lodial title. <laughs> 
I knew then, but realtors today don't know because they have eliminated the term allodium from the lexicon of today's realtors. But you see, the whole United States was intended to be divvied out by BLM to people you have to apply for an allodial title. You have to apply, but if you own your land, then you can apply. And the government, I remember uh, a case up in Reno where uh, they a mine, a silver mine owner, uh, applied for a land patent, and the, the Secretary of the Interior, Bruce Babbitt, said no. He sued in federal court. Bruce Babbitt had to give him an allodial title because he owned that land. He was making an application, and that's what the law said. Now, uh, enough of that before I start running out of time. I got a lot of stuff I want to cover. I didn't do a bad job uh, back uh, 16 years ago in writing this newsletter. But here is uh, here's what it uh, I'll just read it very, very quickly uh, to you. It says that uh, allodium is defined as man's own land, which he possesses merely in his own right without owing any rent or service to any superior. As taken from Black's Law Dictionary, 6th edition, page 114, uh, it says, Elodium is defined as land held absolutely in one's own right and not by any lord or superior. Land not subject to feudal duties or burdens. By the way, uh, when... Mr. Abbey, the director of Bureau of Land Management, uh, showed up on under Minnie Me Bush. He was a Republican, uh, to uh, in Senator Ensign's office, who was our Republican senator. Uh, Mr. Abbey, first thing I did, I said, "You realize this is an allodial title?" And he said, "Yes, Bo, I know." And I said, first thing that needs to happen here is an apology and an amendment." And he said, yes, you're right. And I have never, I mean, that's why I like Republicans, or I did. Uh, Robert Abbey basically got down his knees and cried, <laughs> telling and assuring and promising Anna Inman that no one would ever, ever, ever again attempt to ever take her land away, her home and that she should never file any papers or pay any taxes, that this land was hers in all perpetuity and could be passed down to her children. Well, under Obama, same thing. They went out, armed agents and all this stuff, couldn't get Reed even to take notice. That's why I'm voting against it. I don't care what they say about Ms. Angle. I'm voting against Reed because Reed doesn't give a damn about our pioneers. He doesn't care about these elderly people who are widows and this administration trying to throw them off their land. Then I say, throw him out of office. And you know, we only have 26 days until we get a chance to do 
exactly that. Anyway, well, are you interested? Okay, here are the exact steps. I'm going to run through them. One, pay the property off so there are no liens or claims by banks or other lenders. So you've got to own the property. Number two, obtain a copy of the legal description of your property from the deed or other documents. Ensure the description includes the township, range, and section number. Put this legal description in an envelope addressed to the Land or Bureau of Land Management Office for your local area. Do not include the deed or abstract, just a copy of the description. Include in your envelope a letter stating you want a certified copy of the original land patent or land grant covering the described property. All this land was under a land grant at one time or other. All right, next, you must now add a fee in the form of a postal money order to the land patent cost in search. I suggest not less than $10. The BLM will return any extra. It'll take approximately six weeks for return of the patent or grant. You may choose to go in in person, make an appointment. With the land patent or grant, you can record a declaration of land patent with your county recorder. You now have a lodial title. Your property is free from all taxes and a tax. Well, uh, I don't know how many of you have a lodial title. I doubt uh, that I would be safe in saying that uh, less than a half dozen, less than the four fingers on each hand, not counting the thumb, uh, probably people have such a, a loan, a, a title. But do you know this lady out here in Sandy Valley does, and we didn't know it until we looked. <laughs> Oh, gosh. And she had been paying, you know, the taxes and all this kind of stuff. Every, you know how elderly people are. Boy, make sure everything's paid on time. And do you know that when Obama got in, uh, of course, all the Republicrats uh, retired, including Mr. Abbey. But he couldn't find a czar that knew anything about how to govern because most of the land in the West, is owned by BLM. And so just when they were about ready, they had already under arms served uh, Annie uh, her order at 30 days or less. Same thing many of these people did. I had tried to get Reed because he's the Democrat. Just, you know, fluffed his nose. Got teenagers running his office. I wouldn't wouldn't even listen. Said, well, BLM handles that. Didn't understand, you know, what the the idea of the legislative branch was even about. And so I went to Anson, and uh, the day that we were meeting with BLM representatives in Senator Anson's office is the day that Obama had to call back Robert Abbey 
and swore him in that day. See, Washington's three hours ahead of us. That morning had sworn him in as the head of the Bureau of Land Management. And so Margot, who is Ensign's chief of staff, looked at me as I came in and says, Bo, uh, do you know what happened this morning? Uh, Mr. Abbey was sworn in by the president as uh, head of BLM. And so there's no reason for this meeting because he swore, as you remember, that nobody would ever, ever, in all time and perpetuity, try to take Andy's land away, and he is, you know, the Bureau of Management Chief. So I looked at this BLM manager, and I said, you think we got any reason to have this meeting? He said, no, sir, we don't. And so the word got around. Here's a Democrat administration with a Republican running the BLM. God be praised. I think God did that just for Anna and I believe that. Uh, we don't have too much time before we run out of uh, and have to take a break, but I thought I would uh, get, because this is the September, was when we first uh, went uh, to trial for Tom Donahue. Tom Donahue was, uh, he has uh, left now, but he was a talk show host right here on American Voice Radio. And uh, uh, let me read you because, see, when you're there and you write it exactly the way it is, then uh, there isn't any lapse of memory. This says, Judge says Tom Donahue can serve 600 years. Chief Texas Federal Judge Barefoot Sanders, who was U.S. Attorney in Dallas the day Kennedy was killed. See, I forgot that was so infuriated by Tom Donahue's refusal to have a bar attorney defend him, he refused Tom bail and threatened to sentence him to more than 600 years. Tom is in the Mansfield, Texas Law Enforcement Center. He will stand before Sanders on 29 September. Craig Smith, this is 1994. Craig Smith, he's the guy's head of uh, Swiss America. Christian owner of Swiss America, 1-800-289-2646, same number that I gave you just a couple of days ago, a precious metals company in Scottsdale, Arizona, secured a Dallas attorney, Bob Buchan, to prepare Tom's appeal. Thus far, 65 pages of reversible errors have been made ready. Tom was railroaded because of his unflagging patriot voice over America Town Forum. His mistake was in a peso currency exchange program, uh, though uh, his American Liberty Association, or through his American Liberty Association, wherein certain representatives stole receipts and fled. Tom cooperated with authorities and tried to make restitution, even though he didn't profit from the theft. Five federal task forces spent years trying to set Tom up with agents posing as mafia hitmen to eliminate the real thieves. Finally, they brought a 37-case fraud against him. Sanders refused to allow Tom a defense, and the jury, acting on Sanders' instructions, found Tom guilty 
on 36 counts. I've taken over his radio program. You know, so this is the date, September, early September of 1994. And it says, uh, it goes on to say how to get a hold of him, which we don't uh, care of at this point, because we don't, he's kind of like Al Gore. We don't know where he is now. Uh, Tom has uh, stopped broadcasting over American uh, Voice. Now, uh, we're so close to our break. When we come back, I want to just uh, read you a couple of other articles from the October 1994 uh, newsletters. It's called a Center for Action, Spike, Specially Prepared Individuals for Key Events. And the article is, Last Chance for Cheap Coins. Whoa. <laughs> so get ready. Uh, we'll be right back here in just a couple of minutes. prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us. Spelled number four, spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. Americans for Immigration Control is a leading national organization dedicated to reasonable levels of legal immigration and effective enforcement to stop illegal immigration. With more than 250,000 members and supporters nationwide, we are an effective voice for immigration reform. AIC stands up in Washington for the views of most Americans on immigration. We are the leaders in stopping recent legislation to reward 10 million or more illegal aliens with legal status and eventual citizenship. The late Georgia Congressman Charlie Norwood had this to say about us. AIC has earned a reputation among members of Congress as one of the most active and responsive advocacy groups in the field of immigration. Join AIC today. For more information, go to our website, immigrationcontrol.com. That's immigrationcontrol.com or call 540-468-2023. That's 540-468-2023. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating. Gasoline reserves are low and the price is rising. World events are at best uncertain. How 
would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646. And mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Democrats uh, under whoever's up there now, 
they, I mean, I hate to say Obama because, guys, he may not even be president. I mean, he won't even show us his birth certificate. You know, it's kind of like Alan Gore. You just can't get nothing on him. You can't find him. You can't pin him down. I noticed the latest thing I was looking for uh, something on the president today to give you a report. And my gosh, the news is full of. Uh, remember, I told you how a Bo, <laughs> B O, the president's dog. <laughs> I don't wonder if he did that just because of me. Anyway, he, uh, the president, didn't want to appear. Uh, you know that he has a dog running around wetting in Air Force One, or that he has, uh, you know, hundred and fifty thousand dollar employees of the government uh, taking care, running around with a little uh, whisk broom and a dustpan, picking up after Bo. So he, when they go on vacation, he has Bo flown on his own aircraft, $120,000. <laughs> I tell you. And you know something, before I go on, uh, where is it that Obama uh, hails from. Well, let's just say where is his where is he said his home is in his books, and where does his daddy come from? Kenya is it not? And you may say now, Bo, you don't know nothing about Kenya. Yes, I do. I speak the language. I was an area specialist. I've been there when Haile Selassie was king. Over there, and the Somalis had the Russians. Well, in Ethiopia, when Haile Selassie said he wanted special forces uh, to help defend uh, Ethiopia and Kenya uh, from the Somalis, uh, which have a share a border, Kennedy said, send them. So uh, they sent me first to Washington District of Criminals and wouldn't tell me. It was so secret. They wouldn't tell me what language I was going to be prepared to speak. Now, that's weird, isn't it? Because I got a top-secret clearance. Why wouldn't you tell me? I wanted to buy a book or something, you know, so I'd have something to read or study. No, I got to Washington, D.C. report just, just like the CIA, the way they work. I reported in, finally, uh, to... Uh, this uh, school of language, uh, just a CIA front. And when I went in there, they said, okay, now, uh, Captain Bright, you're going to have to uh, go to this other address. And so you go in, they, they vet you, they screen you. So then I went out the back door and went to this other address, knocked on the door, and this little guy, about five foot tall, uh, said, opened the door, said, Ujambo uh, Mabwana, Uhale Gani. And I said, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. I said, my name is Grace. Am I supposed to be here? He said, Ndio Mabwana. Karibu, which means come on in. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> the cat was out of the bag. I didn't know I was going. Uh, to Africa. Until then, 
Anyway, it's uh, in Kenya today. Now, I was looking for something about the president, and all I got is about uh, Bo flying in his own airplane at $120,000 so that uh, Obama wouldn't be embarrassed about him squatting in Air Force One. So there are two stories about uh, the president's home that I think speaks volumes. Just two little notes here. One, a Kenyan man. Now, I'm not saying this is Obama's dad. A Kenyan man dies today after he wed a hundred women. And in Kenya today, 500 teachers are fired because of sexual misconduct with students. So you see, it's not so bad here in the USA, is it? And by the way, we got 26 days, and we can change the whole thing. <clears throat> I'll keep reminding you. Now, I thought that this was kind of interesting because I'm always on you, you know, about trying to any spare change you got, put it in a jar, and then try to get where you can buy silver or gold. Well, in 1994, in October, my newsletter says, last chance for cheap coins. It was announced in September that U.S. trade deficit rose to an astounding $2 billion from June to July. The dollar is today equal to less than a dime of what it was 50 years ago. Whoa. <laughs> what is it worth today? Uh, 16 years later, world currency, yen, Deutschmark, uh, sterling, see, we have the euro now, <laughs> continues to swell while the U.S. dollar shrinks. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, CD rates, securities, bank interest rates all shrivel while the national debt skyrockets. I predicted in 1992 that the so-called public debt would exceed $5 trillion. Friends, <laughs> it is $14 trillion now. The service uh, on the, the interest on the debt uh, will, for the first time, exceed every other expenditure, defense, entitlement, Medicare, Medicaid, it will not, cannot ever get one cent better under the Federal Reserve System. And I go ahead and uh, talk about that a little bit. Then I uh, say the break point is near. America will soon uh, stagger under NAFTA. I got some spots on this. <laughs> NAFTA, of course, has been passed and all of that. Uh, the trade agreement, and GATT, which is also another trade agreement, have paved the way for international solutions. The EPA-UN Treaty, due to take effect uh, this next year, eliminates national boundaries for the UN jurisdiction for environmental purposes. Gold hit $401 on 27 September. Now remember, this is 
1994, 16 years ago. I believe it will continue to raise exactly as I have forecast for the past three years. Well, the goal now is $1,400. And uh, the number that I gave you, 1-800-289-2646, is still the number that I give right here in front of me uh, for people who read my newsletter uh, to have a single source that they, it's Christian, it is honest, I know the guy, Craig Smith, I have known him uh, for uh, two decades. Now, I had mentioned in the in the last month's edition, as I was reading through it, a story about Tom Donahue, how because he insisted on representing himself, the chief federal judge in uh, Dallas, Texas, Barefoot Sanders, threatened to put him in jail for 600 years. Well, this is now one month later. And so it the title, and I wanted, since Tom has been a talk show host for over 20 years, Tom had the American Town Forum. Tom used to be right here on American Voice Radio, but like Al Gore, he has disappeared, and we can't find him now. And so I hope that he hasn't fallen ill, uh, meaning either back in the hands of the government. Let me read you this story just the way it was. See, I didn't realize, I had forgotten that Barefoot Sanders was the U.S. attorney in Dallas the day that Kennedy was killed. And so now at the time that that they tried Tom Donahue in 1994, uh, he was the chief U.S. federal judge. Now here is what uh, this in October, here is uh, what the story was. Tom Donahue hits himself in the fist with his face. The 16-story Dallas Federal Courthouse is downtown Brown Zero. Courtroom D, Delta, is large and vaulted, 20-foot ceiling, a gold-trim flag, and U.S. seal on the wall, confirm its federal status. Chief District Judge Barefoot Sanders is appropriately black-robed and silvery-haired. Preceding Tom's sentencing, there are a half-dozen pleadings, all by black Americans accused of money laundering and wire fraud. Efficiency oozes from every word and movement. Lawyers snap uh, to uh, be footing footmen of a royal court. Judge Sanders dispatches each accused with demonstrated concern for their rights and sanity in a manner making TV's Wapner look like a clerk instead of a judge. Tom Donahue was allowed to trade his orange prison clothes for a dapper suit and tie. Bob Buchan is the youngish, articulate defense attorney hired by Swiss America President 
and uh, the courtroom is full of Tom's extended family. There is no media. Barefoot reminds everybody that according to federal sentencing guidelines, Tom could get 615 years and a $14.5 million fine. The sentence is made worse by the fact that more than $4 million was lost by investors in Tom's ALA, I think that stood for American Liberty Association, Peso Exchange Program. $2 million was recovered by Tom and returned to investors. But another $2 million was stolen and sent to Switzerland by Steve Johnson. Six conspirators, other than Tom, were adjudicated guilty several years ago and are now serving from 40 to 60 months. Tom was found guilty in a July trial of 36 counts of violating USC 31, which deals with not reporting currency transactions and keeping accounts without names violating the Banking Secrecy Act. Tom started his history with Barefoot in July by accusing him in the Dallas Morning News of being a conspirator in the Kennedy assassination. This, <laughs> this is why I entitled this article, Tom Hits Himself in the Fist with His Face. You, you know, when you are going to be tried by a federal judge, it's not a good idea to accuse him of being part of the Kennedy killing uh, conspiracy. Anyway, Tom then fired his attorney, Bob Buchan, and insisted on defending himself. All this seemed to be a part of forgotten past as Tom and Bob uh, take uh, the play, their place next to a brace of government attorneys. Bob Buchan takes the podium and makes a series of statements that finds Barefoot in agreement. All looks well. I feel good about Tom's chances. Many Bibles are pressed, pressed between praying hands of those in the audience. Then Tom unexpectedly takes the stand and makes a suicide statement about things that happened during the trial, changing Sanders from Jekyll to Hyde. Buchan recalls, or calls Craig Smith, Swiss America, who tells the judge of a similar time in his life where a judge could have sentenced him to 17 years for some of the same crimes Tom committed. Craig explains that the judge gave him a second chance, which turned into Swiss America. It was truly a masterful job. No better Band-Aid could have been applied. Talking about the cut that Tom Donahue uh, made upon barefoot standards when he stood up and uh, made his statement. Next, I am called. And then Jack McClam, in uniform, we pledge to be responsible for Tom and plead for his parole. The judge acknowledged that he had received stacks of letters and spectators were obviously there in support of Tom. He thanked Craig, Jack, and I for making the trip, then sentenced Tom to 100 
and eight months in prison. Additionally, Tom will have to serve three weeks supervised probation upon release and pay an $1,800 assessment. Barefoot then denied Tom freedom to get his personal effects in order before being locked away. Tom didn't have any family other than uh, you and me, meaning his radio audience. Tom pointed out that he received no benefit from the plundered peso program sponsored by his American Liberty Association. See, I was right about ALA. The embezzlers were apprehended and tried and sentenced years ago. Just before the statute of limitations had run out, the U.S. attorneys secured an indictment against Tom. Five federal task forces focused years of time and energy and public-funded resources to get Tom Donahue. The real crime, I suspect, was his perennial patriot radio show on the Boston-based Talk America satellite radio network. Tom's voice was indeed silent, but his program goes on with Bo Greitz as a stand-in host. It is interesting that Patriot Tom received almost twice the term of those who took the money. Tom spent 75 days in the Mansfield uh, LEC before sentencing. I will have an address for you to write. And I go on and, and talk about how uh, Craig Smith paid $25,000 for uh, Tom Donahue's uh, appeal. And then, unfortunately, Tom Donahue... Uh, ran away from the Pensacola uh, camp that he was assigned to, which I thought, you know, Pensacola was where we had a couple of radio stations. Tom actually took a public bus uh, from the prison camp to the Navy uh, PX, where uh, he was a celebrity. <laughs> he had people that listened to him uh, for years on uh, America's Town forum and uh, he wrote me a note uh, on the Saturday that he left and he said Bo I'm afraid that they are going to try and give me aid uh, through the food or through mandatory injections everybody in prison uh, you know if they're all giving out flu shots everybody's got to line up and get one uh, whatever and so, Tom, I mean, there weren't any ball and chain to stop him. And so uh, he would, after work, he'd get on the city bus and go back to the camp. He had to mop the floor in the dispensary, and that was it. He went back into camp and went to his space, and, and uh, it was a pretty cushy deal, even though he did have restrictions and he wasn't on the radio. But Tom hit the road, and for years, he successfully, because nobody was really looking for him. But what happens is, and uh, I've always wanted Tom to tell uh, listeners like yourself you know, what happens so that you can learn uh, from these lessons. Because somehow, uh, U.S. Marshals, you know, when you're stopped, for example, 
and they check your identification or you're picked up for something. Maybe you're involved in a wreck and you end up going, uh, who knows, to the hospital. Uh, somebody's investigating you for some reason. They check fingerprints. They find out that you are a fugitive. You have escaped from uh, a cushy camp in Florida, Pensacola. Mm. And so it's not good for you. Uh, then you go back and you do some hard time. And I don't know the story because I had, uh, I was really happy when I heard that Tom Donahue was going to be back on the radio at American Voice Radio because, you see, here, Frank Steffen uh, doesn't uh, have an iron fist that governs what the host can say or how, I, I think, that all of us, we should all have a self-governing device that doesn't allow us uh, to offend young ears or say things that you're not supposed to say. In the old days, there were seven words you couldn't say uh, on the radio. And now, of course, uh, geez, I don't know if there's anything. Because uh, I, I actually, I had a program I was going to play over my FM station and uh, I, it, it looked like a good program, but I couldn't believe it. it it's an all-night uh, radio host out here that everybody listens to. His language in just the opening sentence was so bad that I had to leap across uh, the control board and shut him down. So not everybody has, I guess, a, a discernment what what not to say. Uh, that's the reason that I actually uh, quit radio for a little while because they kept telling me up in Boston, you can't say God. And then <laughs> it was a Jewish-owned radio network with about 300 AM, FM stations across America. And they laughed. They thought I was joking. Because when they said, Bo, you can't, not only can't you say God, but you can never, ever, we will shut you off the air if you say Jesus Christ. And so I told them, hey, goodbye. And they just laughed because who would give up 300 to 350 radio stations every day, Monday through Friday, that time, I had a, uh, a two-hour program uh, built into three hours, and uh, they were wrong. It was a thing called principle, <laughs> that, uh, and not like of a school, a P-A-L, a P-L-E, that my grandmother taught me. Jimmy, choose the right, whether it's popular or not. And so I wasn't going to have anybody tell me when I'm supposed to be an interpreter of news events because of my experience to let you know what the true story is. And so I just, uh, my next broadcast day was Tuesday, and uh, I did something else that day. <laughs> and, uh, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, and they were screaming and hollering and uh, yelling and saying, what do you mean you can't do this? And I said, oh, yes, I can. And so I did. 
Anyway, we got 26 days until election. I want you to think seriously about Fighting this. Souls. This is more about what we're voting against than it is this particular election and than what we're voting for, meaning we get rid of these incumbents. And uh, we can get rid of those that take their place if they don't act. Okay, don't marry a hundred women. That's what uh, Kenya's uh, lesson is to me. And if you're a teacher, try to leave them on children alone sexually. All right, now stay exactly where you are, American Voice Radio. And uh, this is Thursday. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll test today, but only three. When the green beret trained to live off nature's land. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas.
66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316-619-4886. Welcome to the Messiah's Branch Broadcast. A one-hour promise program on the American Voice Radio Network, featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Welcome to Mission Watch Live, another Messiah's Branch National Satellite Radio Program. We are broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is October 8, 2015. <laughs> with Mission Watch Live, we are warning the world as it happens. If you need help with anything after this program, please call me. If you need a prayer, you can call me for that also. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682. 620-878-87... Okay, let's back up. 620-878-4682. Well, I'm talking so fast, I get a hold of myself. I can't uh, control my uh, uh, great. I'm just so glad to be back with you, folks. We were gone last week because of uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, and I hope uh, you all enjoyed uh, Henderson talking for me last week. Well, he didn't talk for me, but he took my place, so to speak. Anyway, uh, I hope you all enjoyed that last week and or got something out of it interesting because I can tell from the archives you're really hitting them. Anyway, you can always find updates with the breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, and our mailing address on our blog, which is prophecyhour.com. Now, remember, folks, we're also telling you that if you need a prayer request, you can also send me a prayer request by email. If you include your, your physical address on it, we will, after we take it to church or to the, the mission church and on and service, we will anoint it with oil, pray over it, and we'll even mail it back to you at no charge to you at all whatsoever. Anyway, so we are in very perilous times, folks. Um, so much has happened this month, and maybe this program will bring a light on it. We will try to keep shining that light on it. If you go to prophecyhour.com, you can find all the breaking news that does point to it. But so much has happened on it uh, this month, and you should really keep an eye on what's going on with Russia and in the Middle East, of course. But something uh, even more dramatic, I think, came out uh, today, I think it was, that I, I picked it up. The Washington Times reported this. Obama drops a pretense. He aims for confiscation of private arms, not control of guns. President Obama is finding out in the open as an advocate not of gun control, but of eliminating guns in the hands of people. 
The White House announced Monday that the president is working on executive orders to do what Congress won't. Mr. Obama wouldn't uh, ever skate, uh, wouldn't get rid of the Second Minute Amendment to accomplish his goal of disarming ordinary law-abiding Americans. The word here is Evans, uh, Evans great. I'm not sure what that means, but that means he's willing to go above the Second Amendment and take the guns. He's determined not to let the tragedy in Oregon go to waste. And even the folks that were survivors in the Oregon tragedy saying, we don't want you here, Obama. We don't want to talk. In a very short sentences, he validates the fear of every one of those who believe the president who said earlier that he only wanted common sense restrictions on the ownership of guns and was actually advocating first steps to confiscation. His critics argued that he and his congressional allies, particularly Senator Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania and Senator Joe of West Virginia, were out to establish a gun registry which lead, would lead to confiscation here as it has in other places. Folks, I cannot see how he'd have time to, do, to follow through this in a, a little over a year he has left in office. Maybe, just maybe, some of those people were right out there that said Obama would be our last president and would not leave office. If you have not made preparations to leave large cities that might fall into martial law, really, personally, I would do that. I don't live in a large city. You should live at least, at the minimum, one hour driving time away from a large city. Because if riots break out, I mean, the police isn't going to be able to control it. All they'll be able to do is contain the area. You have already seen this in Ferguson and other places where uh, the people just go crazy. You think that all the, the, the folks that are bad, that have guns, are all going to sudden be angels if uh, there's no law enforcement, really? On another note, folks, we really need – I know that you folks, uh, some of you support our radio program, but we really do need your support in order to keep bringing you the breaking news at ProfCR.com and to, the, to keep the much-needed Mission Church open. As you know, folks, we don't sell anything, and so we're kind of hampered by that, so we need your support. And also, if you're blessed by these radio programs, you know it takes money to stay on the air and bring you these guests. We need your support to pay for airtime every month and pay for the podcast site that so many of you go to after this program has aired live on national satellite radio and <clears throat> on some FM. So pray about it. We really do need your support. Our program archives can be found at prophecyhour.com and branch.automatic.com. Both are smartphone friendly. We challenge you to uh, share these programs with at least two or three other people. That will also help in keeping us going. Now, prayer will bring on tonight's guest. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name, I pray. Father, I really just pray that radio tonight goes according to your will and not mine, nor our guest will, Father, but your will. So please give everyone out there ears in which to hear the truth. In your Son, Yeshua HaMashiach's name, amen and amen. Well, tonight, we have back on with us Kenneth Updegrove. Kenneth has, was led to a land that Corey Tamboom saw, a vision of angels protecting the land. He says it's a place of refuge for the future. Because of people hearing him on this radio program, many have checked him out, and some have even moved there. Um, is it a place of safety? It is, if only you are led there because of being led by Yeshua and not by my voice or Kenneth's voice or anybody else's, but you must be led by Yeshua. And that only comes from having a personal relationship with him. And if you have one, you know what he said? He said the sheep hear his voice. 
Well, tonight, um, Kenneth has it on his heart to talk about some recent things happening. I think that's what it is. And so let's bring Kenneth on now. Are you there with me, my brother? Yes, I am. And thank you so much for inviting me on tonight. Well, I'm glad to have you back. And, and I know that, you know, people have been reacting whenever they hear you on radio program, on this program. Have they not? Yes, they have. We've had good response. I'm very grateful. Well, that tells me that people are, are, you know, are still struggling, and I know they're still looking for uh, some safer places in the country. You know, as I'm sure you heard my lead-in, um, these cities could go crazy at any time. There's nothing wrong, even if we were saying, well, it's the end of the age, um, that people would want to live in a safer environment. Um, do you believe that? Uh, yes. <clears throat> Just today I got an email from Arizona a man wanting to uh, get the map that I have uh, showing supposed um, safe areas. And uh, so I was glad to provide that, but I'm just surprised uh, how many people go to that map. And uh, I'm always amazed at the history behind it. When a friend of mine delivered it to me and gave me the story behind it, that uh, by putting it in my hands, it has gotten distribution that it wouldn't have gotten any other way because I'm on the Internet. <clears throat> and none of those other people were that uh, I was, that we received uh, the initial copies of it. So I'm just delighted. Uh, since the last talk, uh, several people have moved here and uh, have settled in and, and are doing quite well. Um, so things just keep happening here. I, I am... Listening to you read in, and uh, I was uh, expecting you to uh, to tell about Rabbi Jonathan Kahn's uh, latest uh, release, which he was explaining what did happen on Shemitah and what happened uh, since Shemitah. Um, he was so right on that people understand the prophetic nature of what he was saying. It was totally biblical and totally. Uh, Happen yeah. to happen, even as he said it would. And so uh, he is uh, really showing that America has passed the time of warning and is stepping into the time uh, of uh, judgment. We have seen a lot of judgment uh, in the last few years, and uh, if we only have eyes to spiritual eyes to see what those steps were, what those incidents were. That, and how they are accelerating, and uh, and by that I mean more of them and closer together, and also beginning to discern what has really happened. Um, Amen. Um, just yeah. a, a quick thought on that, real quick. Um, yeah, I just I I got in late today. I didn't I didn't write all. Uh, I didn't add that about Jonathan, but I figured that was right where you were going to go, and so. Um, there's so many scoffers out there that just because the world didn't, they expected the world to kind of like just blow up, you know, and without really paying much attention to what really did happen. There's so much happening towards America right now, folks. I mean, if you can't look at California, uh, I mean, it's 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 dry drying up, blowing away, and burning up. You know, that's what California is doing. And if you look towards the East Coast, what's going on on the East Coast? The East Coast is in floods that they haven't seen in over a hundred years. And this, these are, and what's particular about that, and then I'm going to go back to Kenneth, 
is that um, what's particular about this, if you notice, most of the problems of this country come from the east and west coast, you know, and I will say that's particularly because of uh, the type of thinking of the people that live there. They're trying to push the, mostly the people that, uh, uh, well, they call us out here the flyover states. Um, but this is the Bible Belt. And, you know, while we're trying to hang on to our beliefs, the East and West Coast is trying to push God out at the fastest rate they can do it. And if you don't believe that, then you're not paying attention to the news, and you need to get on your knees and pray. Now, um, Ken, so back to you. What what all have you seen this happening? Well, what I'm always focusing on is the big picture, as Jonathan Kong pointed out. Let's keep track of the big picture. Um, to me, what I want to point out is that we're on the very cusp of the tribulation, and uh, we can't expect that all that we've seen, and as we were saying, what we've seen in the past few years and in, in the past few months, but we see an acceleration, and, uh, and it's an all in a basically a downhill incline. There's the ups and the downs, but the trend is down, and it will continue that way. It seems logical that if we're really on the cusp of the tribulation, that that would be indicative of the times. And so we need to look at all of the false prophecies and predictions that have been out for September that didn't happen, like the meteor, uh, and uh, and also some of the um, beginnings of and expose, uh, if you will, the windows that are open to get the first peek at uh, the Pope, um, if you will, running for world president, not understanding that that the purpose of the Pope has always been to be the world dictator. That's always been the purpose of the papal position. It even has the title of, of the Roman emperor, <clears throat> Maximus, uh, is what was the term I was that's the term, but, uh, but anyway, <clears throat> we uh, saw the Pope uh, introducing himself as the world leader, and uh, we've got to take note of that, and understanding that he's a Jesuit, and the purpose of the Jesuit order, why it was formed in the first place, was to uh, eliminate, uh, to cancel, to take out the, uh, the Protestant movement and uh, bring all the ecumenicalism, the unity uh, of all of these movements uh, are to uh, bring the world, uh, all of the churches, uh, at least all the Christian churches, so-called, uh, under the auspices of the Catholic Church, uh, under the leadership of, of the one world leader, the, uh, the Pope. And the people don't understand that. They don't understand Catholicism. They don't understand the position of the Pope. Uh, at any rate, then we see all of the all of these things leading us to the end times, and we need to start paying attention to the prophets that have been uh, true, that have uh, told us what's going to happen, and we've watched it happen, uh, like David Wilkerson and uh, once again Jonathan Carr. Uh, these two men have given us. Uh, a look into the future, and and the, their prophecies have been 100% so far, and so therefore we have confidence in their what they see for the future. But as some some people like my own self 
who uh, had seen these things for many, many years in 1974. The Lord told me that this time was coming, and he told me to prepare his people for it, but he also told me that they would not uh, see right. it, they would not understand it, they wouldn't accept it until uh, the, uh, the, the inevitable crash really does come when they find that Walmart's closed and going to stay closed. Then what are they going to do? Then they will be angry at their pastors and denomination, and many of them will leave the Lord and walk away. Many of them really weren't there all the time, and they, they proved to be uh, the chaff, not the wheat, uh, the, the tares, not the wheat, and they didn't right. know that, and that gets tested in such a time. So they, my calling was to wait until they woke up and were really willing to hear the truth and to uh, then uh, join with those. You know, once before we were talking about those little lights across the nation. Right. Uh, this will be the time when the people will start looking for the leaders uh, and the people who were ready, who didn't understand that, that the time we were in and were prepared for it. We get so much much rebuke from those who uh, say we need to trust the Lord uh, and, and not prepare, and yet at the same time they got a whole lot more insurance than I do. They got insurance on their, right. Right. On their health, on the car, and, their, and their everything else. Uh, and also, they buy uh, groceries uh, for a whole week. They don't get by them for each meal. Um, they're they're preppers, but they won't admit it. They don't. Uh, they want uh, to live in a false security. They want to believe that everything will be fine. And uh, well, not let, let me let me jump in here a minute. Um, but that's what goes along with the theology that the Western Church uh, has put forward. If you know, they they basically, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying every church has this theology, but the mainstream and for the most part do. It's like, you know, just believe in Jesus, you're going to fly out of here. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to have a, a great life. And by the way, make sure you have to send your money, and you'll get greatly blessed for it. Now sit down on the couch and watch the TV set and send me the money. That's basically what they've been putting forward. And so what's going on in the world right now does not fit with their theology of flying out of here. That's why they do not talk. A huge amount of the churches will not talk about the annihilation of the Christians in the Middle East. It's a genocide going on, but yet they won't talk about it because, you see, that doesn't fit with their thing that, well, if you believe in Christ, then everything is going to be fine, and you'll be fine, and you're not going to suffer persecution. When the Word of God itself, Yeshua said that we would face persecution. If it hated him, they would hate us also. And, you know, it doesn't fit where... So they're putting forth a false doctrine. And, you know, if you listen to that, then people listen to it over the years, over and over and over. And so it's hard to get them off of it here in the Western world because, you know, for the most part, the church in the Western world hasn't suffered that kind of persecution. But it's coming now. What do you think? Uh, yes. And another area is the uh, partial preterists. Uh, they say Jesus came in 70 A.D. and were in the millennium, and that, that the church uh, must uh, bring Christianize the world, bring uh, the world into the church uh, under the auspices, under the leadership of the apostles, 
uh, and the head of Balfour, not seeming to realize that this, they couldn't describe the Antichrist any better than with those terms. But uh, the partial preterist is a term a lot of people don't know about, especially pre-millennials, uh, pre-trib rappers. They don't know this term, and they need to know it, because these partial predators are, 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 are super patriots. There are dominionists who, who are uh, striving to save the nation. In my opinion, brother, uh, we have passed the point. If we are indeed on the very cusp of the tribulation, then we are on the, uh, in a time when there's seven years followed by a thousand years, and where is there time in this to save this nation? There's not even time to save this, uh, the so-called church. There is a remnant coming up out of, and going into an underground church system that, uh, once again, is those little lights that we talked about once before across right. the nation. It's time for the church to go underground because, uh, as you were pointing out, there will be a determination. There is a determination to disarm us and to uh, and virtually every way disarm us with our ability to minister. We're supposed to only go to uh, express ourselves spiritually in church, not in public, not even at home, and certainly not in schools. And so uh, the effort to take our liberties away from us, our our guns from us, uh, even our land from us, uh, this big persecution movie is is very strong and... uh, and I predict that they will totally succeed. But uh, the really understanding, discerning Christians will see where all of this is going and uh, take the alternate courses of what we do have and won't be taken from us. And one is to become inconspicuous, uh, hiding in plain sight. If you want to be armed, use bow and arrow. They're powerful and they're quiet. And well, you can let, let me jump in for just a second. And, and this is something that I don't see hardly anybody address when we talk about. Well, I believe that it's very probable and possible that they could try gun confiscation because that guns are the one thing that kept, has kept America free and safe. And in order to do what they really want to do, they've got to take the guns. But. My problem, though, is that I, I don't think that in the time allotted that that they have, I don't think they can succeed with it. You know, there's over, there, there's enough guns in the United States to uh, that's out there, not sitting in the gun shops, but out there in the general public to arm um, everybody that is in the United States with a gun and have guns and ammunition left over. That's how many guns that there, that there is out there. Most of the people that have bought up guns and ammunition, huge, huge amounts of them, will not just hand them over and give them out. I think what we would see generally, if we see them move to gun confiscation, is a massive civil war that I don't think that would end before um, Yeshua's return. Back to you. Yeah, that's where I was going with my thinking. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, uh, We're getting ready to come up on a break, so let's not get into anything. We've got a minute before break. Why don't you tell them where your website's at? And uh, I want to encourage folks to go over there and and look it over, and then we'll talk a little bit. We'll talk some more when we come back from break. But tell them where your website is. Okay, rkaven.org, and that's A-R-K-H-A-V-E-N dot O-R-G. And ark in reference to Noah's Ark, and and haven is 
with the ark being a haven, so that helps understand better how okay. we say it. Folks, go over there and have a look while we're on break. If you're if you have the internet on, or if you're listening to radio and you got your internet on, also uh, have a look at it. There also be a link to this website any place that you find it, uh, when you find this in our radio archives. Uh, and some of the things right when you open it up, it's going to say for sale property ideal for pre- uh, preppers. So go over there and have a look, and we'll be back in three minutes. We'll be right back. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. Unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas, that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or 
or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 
what I'm saying to you folks is, is we really do, a lot of you folks think, well, he's on radio, he's getting millions of dollars in donations, and that's just not the case. Most people, a lot of people don't want to donate to us because we support Israel. Some don't want to donate to us because we're Messianic, you know, we keep the Sabbath instead of Sunday. So that eliminates all those people. And, you know, we like now, we just did the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, a lot of people don't want to support us because they, they do the other do other holidays and so on and so forth. So when you get down to a you get down to a narrow margin of people that actually believe along the same lines that we do, you know, we don't get millions of dollars in donations. We just barely make it. So we really do need your help to keep the mission church open. We need help to stay on radio. You know, radio airtime costs money. Uh, I, it's just not free. I'm sorry. The the station has to pay their bills and you know, there's electricity involved, there's internet involved, there's satellite involved, all those things. And just like our radio archives. Well I say, well I don't listen to live radio on satellite. I listen to it in the podcast site. The podcast site costs money to maintain that podcast site. It's not a free site. It costs a lot of money. And also I have to maintain airtime and electricity and all those things. I'm not personally rich. All my personal income, you know where that goes? It goes uh, into paying for that mission church over there. And our, our inc- that's where our income goes. So, you know, pray about it. We do need your, uh, need your help. Anyway, pray about it tonight. Anyway, we are the last hope for so many. And, folks, the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. But all donations, no matter what size helps, and you can donate online or mail a check or money order, and you can find all that information at prophecyhour.com. That's at prophecyhour.com. Oh, and before I get Kenneth back on, uh, I want to thank my host last week, Stephen Henderson, for filling in for me while I was gone to the Feast of Tabernacles, which I'll talk about. I'll, I'm going to try and do a whole program and talk about some things next week uh, by myself, but we'll see. Anyway, we now need to get back with Kenneth up to Grove, and we're talking about Arkhaven, a place in the wilderness. Are you there with us, Ken? Yes, I am. And by the way, Jesus, or Yahshua, Yahshua, he is our ark, our place of safety and refuge. Um, our haven, I was told, means a place of uh, promise and a place of provision. And uh, so we, we, we must... Keep things in perspective. Speaking of Arkhaven, I have a prospectus page on my website and where I'm telling uh, wealthy investors that you need to invest in the new um, investment area that's the safest one that is actually advised by many investors saying <clears throat> invest in agricultural land. And But I word it a little bit different. Invest in your survival. And so, yeah, so uh, in the case of our cave and investing in it will uh, give them a place of refuge for them and their family, but also uh, until things really do totally fold, as I put it, when Walmart closes, until then um, there is a way to make a, a, a profit off of a, a ministry that is renting a property for people who can't buy mm-hmm. and uh, is uh, teaching people 
to uh, go, so they can go back to their uh, homes. Once again, those little lights across the nation. But uh, it can be an investment that brings a return uh, until that time, and then the return will be their personal survival. And, and this, uh, this or one of the many places I hope to see spring up across the nation and the world. Uh, so the, this is the area to invest until that day comes. I, I was just reflecting on a couple of, you know, I'm going to be 79 here in a few days. I remember Pearl Harbor. Uh, have I still got you? Am I still on? Yeah, you're still on. Okay, I'm I just listening to you. I told you that's that that Skype thing, you know, uh, when it's quiet. If you were quiet for a second and I was quiet for a second, the people would be just hearing dead silence because we do use Skype. And, you know, but I'm still here. Here's how you'll know if I'm not here. If I'm not here, uh, you'll be getting a phone call back real quick from uh, the direct, director saying, hey, we dropped your call. <laughs> but, hey, don't, don't feel bad. Okay, don't don't feel bad, though. Uh a lot of people do that same thing. It took me a, uh, a while to get used to the fact that of that dead silence. And, uh, but anyway, yeah, we're listening to you, brother, and we're still online. I remember Pearl Harbor, and you know that came in one day. It came and went all in one day, and uh, our military wasn't ready for it. The world wasn't ready for it, and it shocked the world. Nine one one, same thing. Uh, the nation wasn't ready for it. The nation didn't expect it. It came and went all in one day. Um, why wasn't the world ready for that? Why wasn't our military ready for that? Uh, it's uh, unbelievable that it was so caught off guard. Well, I also remember a time a number of years ago when I was driving down the highway and I saw an accident happen up in front of me, a terrible accident. One car was spinning like a top, and I had to slam on my brakes, and I leave rubber uh, for 100 feet or more, probably two or 300 feet, trying to stop before running into the wreck. And uh, my heart was beating real fast, and I had a carload of teenagers, and we were all palpitating out of sight. My point is, let's not be caught off guard. We see what's happening, and if you are... Post trib wrath or, or pre wrath, you definitely see. Mm-hmm. If you are pre trib wrath or uh, uh, pre wrath, uh, I mean uh, partial prejudice, you don't see these things now. But just understand, if you're wrong, these things are coming. Please understand that you should at least consider the possibility and uh, realize that that uh, this is a time to prepare while, while there still is a chance. America is diminishing. It. So I, something I, I keep hearing from uh, all the people contacting, especially prophetic people, so many of them do not see uh, Obama going out of office. So many people don't see the election happening. That means uh, that um, there seems to be a belief uh, uh, among a lot of people that the, uh, there will probably be the riots that you were talking about breaking loose in our cities. What would cause that? 
Well, um, if there was suddenly uh, such a hit on our economy that um, the government couldn't provide food stamps, couldn't provide uh, any of the checks, including Social Security, uh, what kind of a position would that put uh, a huge portion of our population in? And after you've gone hungry for just about three or four days, and you can't turn on, on the air conditioner or the heater uh, after about so many days, <clears throat> there's going to be rioting like you won't believe in the big cities. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> if it were bad enough, then there would be declared a national emergency in the National Guard and, and, and all of that sort of thing. <clears throat> and uh, it might be essential for the president to stay in office like it happened in World War II when Roosevelt had to stay in office for a third term uh, in order to bring uh, keep continuity in government, uh, not having time right. to clean a new president. And so uh, this is uh, something to consider. Is this a uh, prophecy of the best say of the Lord? I don't really think so, but is it something that I am hearing from prophetic people? I certainly have from a lot of different quarters and stated in different ways uh, and independently of each other. And I don't know of any uh, major ministry that's uh, saying this sort of thing. So I'm not trying to... Uh, well, let's go, let, me go with this, let me go with this, Kenny. Um, I do know... Uh, I know I keep an eye on a lot of ministries, and there are uh, several ministries. One, the, the Prophecy Club, they're saying um, that Obama will not go out of office, and it isn't say it necessarily like what you're saying. He's saying that's what he is hearing from people that he's had on his radio program, that, you know, they are saying that Obama won't go, that they've had visions that Obama will not go out of office and that he will be the last president. Now, there's other, so by that reflection, he's seeing other people saying it. He hasn't had a dream or vision himself that personally says that, but that's what he's saying. And, you know, while I, I've been real encouraged lately, um, especially with that rainbow, you know, hitting uh, the Trade Center on 9-11, you know, I, I'm praying for a blessing for this country, you know, but um, I don't know. I, I think it's too late for a blessing and, and uh, pun a phrase or use a phrase that's used by a radio pro producer. Uh, I believe that America is so far stuck in the mud that it just can't get out. I believe judgment is here, and I believe Obama's been part of that judgment already, so uh, I don't know where we're going. Back to you. Uh, yes, uh if uh, if we are really are on the very cusp of tribulation period, we see all of the uh, so so many different <clears throat> prophetic signs out there showing us that. Well, then we know that um, that we're on the cusp. Of, and uh, my point, what I'm really trying to say is, please, uh, folks, um, do not depend on the bug out, bug out technique where you. Bug out at the last minute. Where are you going to go? Uh, what are you going to do? Uh, some people have a bug out location, but they're thinking primarily of short term bug out, not long, long term, like as in seven years. <clears throat> and so uh, I'm, I'm just trying to really uh, get out 
this kind of cautionary message. Um, right. Well, let, let's go with this, Kim, because I know we got some new people that are. We always have new people that listen to these programs. Um, we've got probably about nine minutes left in our program. Why don't you point and why do you think this property is safe? Why are we talking about it? Um, you know, give us a brief uh, on why you think it's safe. Or could um, be. The uh, Northwest Arkansas has had a number of prophecies over it by a especially Corey Kendall, but also David Wilkerson. Uh, I can't quote him right up more. I kind of caught, caught off guard. I don't have notes on that. But uh, Corey Kendall, in two different instances, uh, prophesied, as a matter of fact, three times, if I think about it. But one of them, she was in an airplane uh, sitting next to, uh, she had written that down. I didn't know we were going to go here. Uh, a very famous uh, minister, <clears throat> and um, she was looking down, and she saw a ring of fire down below. And she says, "My goodness, this is uh, this has got to be a protected area. Got to be finally protected. I wonder where that is." At that time, the pilot comes over the PA and says, "Ladies and gentlemen, we're 20 minutes out of uh, Tulsa. Uh, we're presently flying over Northwest Arkansas, and da da da." So suddenly she knew where this was, and um, she never reported it, but <clears throat> the, the famous minister she was sitting next to did. And this is all on my website if people want to uh, go and look well, at right, it. Well, right, right. <laughs> but uh, another instance was she was uh, being given a tour of the ground at the fashion play at, out of Eureka Springs, and... Uh, in that pasture, she had an open vision in which she saw five bands of angels stacked five high uh, on the horizon with swords drawn. And um, her explanation was, this is a, must be a divinely protected place. And um, so that from the spiritual aspect, of that's two witnesses, but just hundreds of people have... Uh, come here because God told them to come here for the end times, so they know exactly why they're here. My well, own you, you told me about, I think it was a, a, was it a CIA report that talked about it being how safe of a place this was because of, you know, where it's situated and everything? Yeah, geologists say that uh, Geologists, they, yeah. They say that this is a uh, huge rock that goes down 120 miles. It's full of uh, underground rivers and uh, incredible amount of water here. And that because it's so huge, so deep and so wide, it's uh, just unshakable. We've had tremors, but the tremors have always been from outside sources shaking this uh, Ozark Plateau. And uh, because of its location, it's uh, not a military target, and it's too far inland to ever really be invaded. Um, not going to be any hurricanes here. We have uh, tornadoes don't do well in mountainous areas. Uh, just physically speaking, it's a very protective place. NASA scientists are retiring here. One lady we know. Uh, saw this uh, man move into the area, and he was a scientist, and 
from Nassau. And uh, she says, why in the world are you moving here to retire of all places? This is not where most wealthy people retire. And uh, he gave some expertise, uh, a few, uh, some colorful language before he says, because this is the blankety blankets, safest place on earth. And uh, put his cigar back in his mouth. So it's, right. it's well known, known well known uh, by the military, or by the speaking of the military, the Naval uh, War Department says that um, it's the safest place on earth. Unfortunately, there's no uh, water, <laughs> no ocean here, so they can't have right. a, a navy base here. But just uh, as far as military is concerned. This place is militarily safe. Right, right. Well, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, there, so not only, so you gave non, uh, you know, you know what I mean, you gave an answer there that other people other than people are just having dreams and visions. And by the way, folks, if you don't know who Corey Ten Boom is, you need to Google her name, and you need to know about Corey Ten Boom. If you don't know about her, then you need to. But anyway, uh, but you're also giving more, you know, scientific, you know, saying, well, this is why it's safe. But the safest place in the world, and I know you agree with this, of course, is in Yeshua, is in that personal relationship. And so, you know, don't folks need to... Before they just up and move there, don't they need to pray about it? Yes, I, I caution people to ask the Lord where he would have you. Uh, that will be the safest place for you. Uh, and that, no telling where that could be, and that could actually be in a big city. So if it's where he places you, stay there, be faithful. And uh, if it requires your martyrdom, rejoice in that. But uh, I also caution people as this. Wherever you feel led to go, and maybe that will that several places come to mind when you uh, when you've prayed and you're not quite sure which one to go to. I recommend that you go visit all of them, scout out the land, and see if the Holy Spirit bears witness with you when you're there. I've seen a lot of people come here, and some of them it, there was no it, it bore no witness, and they left, uh, and then a whole bunch of them. It did bear witness, and they're here. And so that it's, that's just common sense, good common spiritual sense. Right. You uh, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, but test. Look for confirmation. Know for sure. Because uh, I have missed the Lord a couple of times in my life, and I think we all have. And so that's why I've learned uh, indelibly. Test. Look for confirmation. Make sure yeah, amen. that you've heard the Lord. Yeah, amen. You know, there's, you know, even if we weren't talking about, you know, things on a prophetic level, you know, and just talking about a general level, if somebody go, if you just look out across this country and see what's going on in this country, um, you know, it, it, you should be wanting to have your your family in a place of safety. Not only a safe place of safety, but it's a beautiful place. I mean, Ozark Mountains is is are just beautiful place. And, you know, it's a, it, it's a simpler life. We need to get, if possible, folks, you need to lose as much of this tech stuff and everything that you have and, and get into a simpler lifestyle. There isn't anything better, you know. Um, I know that not all of us can do that, but uh, you need to pray about it. You really do. And I, I would strongly suggest, visit, like he says, visit the place 
and see if it, if you feel led. And I'm right. I'm I'm with you, Ken. I sometimes it's the the fodder has to about drop a tree on me to get my attention. <laughs> yes, the Lord will get your attention, and um, so be uh, spiritually aware of that. So many people. Uh, all of the things the Lord does to try to get their attention and to show them something and tell us something. So if you're listening to this program, uh, the Lord is giving you a prompting right there. And so uh, please ask the Lord, this is, well, uh, are you talking to me, Lord? Are you showing me that I should uh, ask you where I should go to be saved? Uh, believe me, it's better to... Um, Lose, be willing to lose and walk away from anything you have. What, what is more important, uh, your life and the life of your family or, or staying in the job? So many people are going to be trapped. One of my favorite testimonies, I hope there's a minute for this, a friend of ours in Texas, he worked in one of the towers and he had a lucrative job. I mean, uh, he's never had a job that paid that much before or since. But uh, one day the Holy Spirit told him to move back to Texas ASAP. So he turned in his resignation and left a few days later. His colleagues really chided him. Oh, what a fool. You're a terrible fool. You realize what you're doing. And, uh, and he says, yes, I do. So there he was sitting with his wife in Texas when his friends were all nothing but sifting ashes to uh, I've heard a lot of those testimonies, and that's amazing, but that comes from having that personal relationship. Now, uh, we've got to go. We're out of time, so tell them where the, your website is, and we'll do this again sometime. All right. Arcaven, A-R-K-H-A-V-E-N dot O-R-G. A-R-K-H-A-V-E-N dot O-R-G. Well, it's been a blessing having you on with me, and we'll talk again. And keep doing what you're doing. You know, I'm really, my spirit's really with you, brother. Goodbye and shalom to you, brother. Bye bye. Shalom, brother. Shalom. Uh, well, folks, uh, is it a safe place for you? Check it out. You know, I I know that some of us should move out of the cities, just like that man moved back to Texas and got away. And what happened? Uh, his friends were incinerated in 9-11. All right. And you don't have to believe like I believe exactly. But, you know, pray about it. Anyway, pray about supporting the Mission Church and this radio program. Remember, there is only one God. That is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His son is Yeshua Mashiach. He gave his life for repented sins, and he rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And through him is the only way to the Father. Three days and three nights, that was a sign given to a wicked and adulterous generation. Three days and three nights, that makes sense. Anyway, remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul, then love your neighbor as yourself. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's like praying for Messiah's return, but it's not going to get peaceful until he gets here. So, Lord our God, Father, King of the universe, asking Yeshua HaMashiach's name, that the Father blesses and keeps you, and his face shines upon you, and is gracious to you, and gives you peace like no one or nothing else can. Until an hour from now, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. 
To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Tune in next time for Messiah's Branch. Unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316-619-4886 American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west transponder 23 frequency 12115 audio PID 2595 AVR is heard on the left side audio channel and AVR 2 is heard on the right side audio channel remember both AVR and AVR 2 are on Galaxy 19 same network double the choices If you have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. 
Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Job stress, financial obligations, or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3Ws.thepowerherbs.com. I'm your resident herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Hope you had a great day. We're here to empower you. That's what we like to do here on Herb Talk. Magical engineer Frank and I are ready to roll. Thanks for joining us here on the American Voice Radio Network. Oh, we're going to be talking about, you know, if it works, should you use it? Even if science doesn't, you know, doesn't approve, should you? Well, we're going to talk about that. Also, we're going to look at the emphysema issue that we didn't get to the other day. And also, we may have time to check your cancer risk. So if you think you're at risk of cancer, we're going to go over that. And we have a quack report. But before we get to that great stuff, big salute and semper fi to righteous men and women in uniform. As you know, I'm seeking the Lord's face every day, hitting the knees, asking for righteousness and pleading for truth like Isaiah 59 says we should. I'm praying for righteous men of valor all over this land. Yes, yes, we need we need to become one nation under God again because right now we're not looking like that. So, seeking the Lord's face, mind the time, and, um, you know, pray. Draw near to the Lord. Draw near to the Lord. Get your salvation. Hey, you know, there's only one way to get it. The Bible tells you how. So open that thing. Read about it. It's very cool. And without further ado, let's do the quack report. <laughs> I think my duck was jamming out there. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's in the quacker? Uh, General Mills is in the quack report tonight. Uh, apparently, there's a massive recall of their gluten-free cereal uh, because it's made with 
Well, gluten. <laughs> Apparently, General Mills' decision to, you know, let's make a gluten-free Cheerios. Oh, man, 30% of consumers went, yay, because, you know, they're gluten intolerant. That's like 1.8 million people buying a box of Cheerios or the Honey Nut Cheerios. Uh, but according to the company, um, their California facility, um, well, they had a little issue in production. And so the gluten-free oat flour was uh, misdelivered somehow, and the procedure got all messed up, and the wheat flour got mixed up. It was a mistake. It was, you know, an issue. It was a situation. Um, but, uh, you know, the recall includes your Honey Nut Cheerios and your Yellow Box of Cheerios. Now, you know, the, the cereal is safe to eat, but if you have celiac disease, you know, gluten intolerance, or you're real sensitive to gluten, is going to give you a problem. There you go. Moving along in the quack report, let's see. Um, this is interesting. Top government scientists say they're not going to have their kids vaccinated. Why is that? That's right. In Albuquerque, the Albuquerque Journal, Los Alamos schools, the top New Mexico schools, there's a bunch of vaccine exemptions in there. I mean, way outside the, the statistical norm. Uh, 2.3% of the kids at the Los Alamos Public School District don't get vaccinated. Um, their parents received exemptions. You know, that's the kind of a higher percentage. Uh, that's pretty much the highest percentage rate of non-vaccination in the entire state of New Mexico. So they're, we're talking about parents pretty much in this area that work at the U.S. Los Alamos Laboratories. And their kids go to the schools there. So um, people with advanced degrees in science, people who work for government, um, maybe they know something that the public's not being told about vaccines. Um, you know, a lot of questions to be answered. Why are they opting out of vaccinations for their kids? Hmm? Well, there's a question you might want to put to your congressman. Last but not least in the quack report, here's something out of a new scientists at the University in Edinburgh have discovered that the level of protein that's in your blood could be an indicator whether you're going to have a life-threatening heart attack. That's right. So a simple blood test, they say, can predict if you are at imminent risk of having a heart attack. So the researchers check your blood sample and uh, – usually at the hospital. Now, this, they did this to, they, they tested this at, with 6,000 people in Scotland, and uh, they followed their progress for a month, and they found that the levels of tryptopin was directly linked to whether the patients would go on to have a heart attack within a 30-day period. So if you have elevated levels of tryptopin, they're saying, you know, uh, within 30 days you're going to have, an episode, uh, a heart attack, and so uh, good to know. And, uh, you know, watch the diet, get that exercise, and you might want to take some cardio-strengthening herbs, you know. Check out thepowerherbs.com, their cardio section. See what I mean? And that wraps the quack report. Thank you, Frank. Oh, 
okie dokie, we're going to be talking about if it works, should you use it? Yep. You know, because if, if science can't explain why natural therapies work, does that mean we should avoid using them? Should we have the, the position that everything that cannot be scientifically proven be labeled a scam? Now, there seems to be a consensus among scientists relating to the natural therapeutic treatments in which they, you know, they, any unexplainable benefit is referred to as a placebo. That's what they call it. So if, if you have used natural therapies and, ha- and they've offered you some measurable improvement, uh, science would have you believe that those benefits are just all on your head. So it, it is the skepticism from the scientific community. Is it justified, do you think? Or we're going to check it out. Because, you know, some practicality has limits. And most people have the practical approach, and many try natural therapies to see for themselves if it works or not. And millions of Americans use natural therapies and may or may not be swayed by the negative academic research. So when we're dealing with academia, we are supposedly in the realm of research to uncover the working mechanisms responsible for those benefits. So this area of science is very hard on medicinal herbs, while it often turns a blind blind eye to the failure of the pharmaceutical clinical trials that involve the drugs. Now, quite often in the halls of science, research fails to establish an explanation why a treatment, even in allopathic medicine, why it works. And I want to give you an example, okay? Um, We're going to talk about laughing gas. You ever have some of that? Huh? No? Well, let's talk about it. In the 1700s, a British chemist, Humphrey Davy, was well-known for his scientific discoveries. And before becoming a well-known chemist, Davy apprenticed as an apothecary dispensary. Uh, he, he was in the apothecary's dispensary. He apprenticed there, and he performed lots of chemical experiments. Now, he took risks, and some felt that he was a bit reckless. But later on, he used the lab at St. Bartholomew's Hospital where he experimented with batteries, and then he created that arc light, which was later used in light bulbs. So in 1799, Davy perfected his experiments with nitrous oxide gas. It's also known as laughing gas. And this gas today is used during childbearing for, and the anesthesiologists give it to mothers that have experienced the long labors. So why am I mentioning a 300-year-old chemist? Well, Davy discovered this antiseptic gas hundreds of years ago, and guess what? Science still does not know the mechanism of how it works, but medical doctors use it anyway. Hmm. Let me read you this quote by Dr. Robert Hahn, professor of University of uh, Limpoing, Sweden. <clears throat> he says, nobody really understands how nitrous oxide actually works given to women in labor, but it does, and that's what ultimately matters. End of quote. I think so, but scientists, you know, when it comes to herbs, they got to know how it works, otherwise it's hokian. It's, it's, it's just you know, a snake oil, it's just hooey, it's just unscientific and it's nonsense. Well, and you know what? 
the unexplained stuff tends to offend them. You know, sometimes you could get a very frank answer from a scientist. Apparently, when natural therapies work and can't be explained, it offends the scientist's view of how the world functions. So when there is a premise established, it has to be followed. Even when natural therapies clearly produce results, science will not capitulate, and it considers the results to be false. Now, scientists call this the type 2 error. So hiding behind the double talk, they can ignore evidence and report to the world that natural therapies don't work, are false, and should be rejected. All right, so, but there is this rule of thumb, okay, in scientific research. In scientific studies, researchers look for evidence that there is benefit if the results pull a measurement of three times greater than how the placebo performed. So natural therapies very often meet or exceed this measurement. So researchers Stacy Thornhill and Anne-Marie Kelly, they studied natural therapies compared to the conventional drug treatment specifically for allergic rhinitis, and they found that the natural therapies can resolve the problem without side effects or tissue damage. Now, in 2001, the Herb Research Foundation they tested dozens of herbs for significant benefit for conditions such as the common cold, prostate, and PMS, and they concluded that when herbs are used properly and in the correct doses, the benefits far outweigh the drugs or placebos. And also, in 1997, Dr. Klaus Lind of Munich Technical University evaluated data from 89 clinical trials involving homeopathic treatments. So in the clinical trial data, it revealed the natural medicines were three times more effective than the placebo or chance, and these results were unacceptable to the medical science community. And Dr. Lin, well, he got some flack. You know, several of his uh, biggest research critics um, found that when they went back to review the findings. They discovered the same results as Dr. Lin did. Now you think that's where the story ends. But sadly, these three scientists were outraged that some simple herbs can produce a better outcome than drugs. So what they did is they discarded 90% of the positive studies, reducing the benefit statistic to nearly zero. And this manipulation of the data wound up in the final analysis for publication in The Lancet in 1997. So if scientists can't be unbiased in their research, you won't get the truth about any therapy. And unfortunately, bad science can work its way into print, into media and legislation, and corrupt health therapies all the way around. But I want to point out some differences real quick. Uh, one thing to consider is that homeopathic and herbal medicines are, they are natural therapies, but they have significant differences. Homeopathic products are a distilled version of the herb where the herb is heated and the essence of the herb is used. So artificial heat will always diminish the medicinal power of the herbs. Now, it doesn't mean homeopathic products don't work. It just means that you may need to use more of it to get results. Another important fact is how the control group studies comparing herbs with placebos, how this is managed. 
So often in these clinical research trials, the wrong part of the herb is tested, which has little medicinal value. And in other instances, the herb tested is not as in its original phytochemical form, and isolated elements of the herb are removed. So testing a part of the chemical makeup of the herb will alter the natural action, whether used in animals or humans. Therefore, the quality of the research trial can influence the outcome. So in Dr. Lin's case, he analyzed at least 10 studies with top quality trial techniques, and they revealed that herbal medicine shows to have significant benefits over the control group. So if you hear studies stating that herbs like sal palmetto or milk thistle are ineffective for prostate or liver issues, be certain to investigate the research carefully. So there is convincing empirical history from the ancient civilizations, 300-year-old sea captain journals, to 20th century hospitals, which document a different scenario. Mm. So what ultimately matters is if you are using herbal medicines and have some guidance while using the herbs, you're going to have a better outcome. So those experienced in using herbs will know that people have different thresholds. And depending on the problem, more or less of the herb is needed. So it will be much easier to adjust doses on herbal tinctures, your liquids, than it does for capsules or tablets. So your tinctures are also going to offer more concentrated power and a longer shelf life on the herb itself. And remember, science will excuse its own discoveries, such as the nitrous oxide laughing gas, and say they work, but in another story comes up when it's a natural herb. If they can't explain it, it doesn't work. So if you'd like to learn more about herbs and how you can strengthen things like your immune system and cleanse away toxins, be empowered, give the folks at Apothecary Herbs a call. They not only make a great product, but they also provide you with tons of information and product support. So they're interested in your success. So the toll-free number, if you want a free product catalog or to order, is 866-229-3663, 866-229-3663. And if you're outside the U.S., dial 704-885-0277. That's 704-885-0277. They do have a website, thepowerherbs.com, thepowerherbs.com. You can get there, type in an herbtalklive.com as well. And if you're serious about herbs, you need apothecary herbs. Get a free product catalog. And if you're on their website, don't forget to um, uh, check out their free online newsletters that go out each week, and that will be empowering information in itself. So definitely check that out and be empowered. Okay, we got a few minutes before we have a bottom-of-the-hour break, so... We're going to jump right on in there to this emphysema, COPD thing. A lot of ads on the TV for drugs for that. So let's check this out. There's like 2 million Americans that have emphysema. That's one in 136 people. Uh, You know, it may start out with, you know, a little bronchitis, becomes a bit chronic, and then asthma, you know, maybe it creates a, a... 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.